everyone, and welcome to Player vs. Plot, the podcast where we take video game stories seriously. I am Lindsay. I'm Sterling. And I'm Chris, the uh, Witcher. Wow, the Witcher. Whoa. I decided five seconds ago More. I actually am a Witcher. <laughs> I buy that. You know why? Because I used to eat a lot of questionable food when I was a kid, and I didn't know if it was still good. And now I have an iron stomach, which makes me a Witcher. Yeah, I think that's the thesis of the game. So you're saying that eating all that stuff mutated you yes. into somebody that can handle. Yes. We got to keep that. I, I have a high toxicity tolerance, which is the key defining trait of a witcher. Oh, I thought it was the key defining trait of defeating vampires. Sure. I think we got to keep an eye on Chris's eyes. <laughs> getting a little yellow <laughs> and a little cat like. <laughs> so in case you didn't figure it out, we are covering the Witcher 3 today. So not one, not two, not, not the, the show, TV show, not the books. Though I'm sure not they're all fan fiction. No, but well, that's on a blog somewhere. Probably. I might slip it in and pretend it's part of the game. I love that. Well, I don't need any fan fiction because The Witcher 3 as it stands is in my top three games of all time. I'm just, wow. I'm just imagining Chris at some point in the episode being like, yeah, and then there's the quest where Geralt's Witcher friend, Chris, comes in. And he does really cool Witcher yeah. things. And then he sleeps with Yennefer. And I'll just and like casually toss down nah, Tris. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe Kira- Dandelion too. Maybe- <laughs> I don't know. That's a good choice. More Kira Metz. Well, well, we'll get to my complicated relationship with Kira Metz. <laughs> a lot of names coming at you in this episode. But we'll do our best to, to give you that context. Sterling, what is your interaction with The Witcher 3? Because I feel like, you know, this season for me... Chrono Trigger and Street Fighter and Metal Gear Solid are pretty personal to me. Mm. And I feel like for the last seven years, maybe six years, I have kind of identified you as a witcher. (laughs) Well, thank you. Or or a fan of the witcher. Yeah, I've been a fan of the witcher since this came out back in 2015, I think. Oh, five years. Sorry. Um, This year counts as two years, so that's fine. Okay, yeah, that's true. I do feel like I've aged more. 2020 counts double. 2020 is a long year. But as I was saying, I don't even know why I picked this game up. It's kind of what happened with Overwatch. I just kind of... Okay, saw this it. is funny because you know how he picked both of those games up. I started playing them and told him about both. You didn't. You did no not. Way. You did not no start. Way. No, you weren't playing With the, the Witcher. Witcher. 3? The Witcher. You were a hundred percent not playing I think the Witcher. I bought it for you. I'm not you did lie. not. I bought. It does seem on its surface like a Lindsay game. Thank you. There, it's an RPG with romance. That's it. That's all I need. Anyways, I picked it up on a whim and fell in love with it. I don't know really anything. I didn't know anything about the game when I got into it. I just knew that one of my old roommates had played The Witcher 2. He said it was all right. And I picked up three and was completely immersed in the world that was already there. It was rich and deep and just so vibrant. All the side quests were extremely well told. The characters I loved. Um, One thing I want to note about the game is that you play as Geralt of Rivia, also known as the White Wolf, the main witcher. You know, he is the titular witcher of the game. So first, uh, if we're getting into what it is, what kind of world does the witcher describe? The world of the witcher is a fantasy, like elves and dwarves and monsters and griffins, but it's not a typical like knights and 
yeah. princesses and things like that. It's kind of a Game of Thronesy kind of like feel. Like a little bit of grittier? It's gritty. It has... Uh, I was going to say you wouldn't call it high fantasy. No. Oh, it's I would not, call this high fantasy. You for would? Sure. Yeah. This is high fantasy, guys. Ooh, I don't think so. I don't so. think that's up for debate. If there's... Yeah, when I, I think high fantasy, I think more like... Councils of Mages. Arthurian, Tolkien. I guess maybe not your cliche... Well, I don't want to say cliche high fantasy, but the default high fantasy. This is definitely close to Tolkien. This is more like magical and fairy tale-ish than Tolkien, I would say. Yeah, but I also think this tries to be grittier and have more... It's, It's kind of like how Game of Thrones is secretly high fantasy, but you see the story happening in a time of the world where those elements have died out largely and are now coming back. I think it's more that the thing that this shares in common with Game of Thrones is that maybe it uses fantasy, but it's not a story about the high fantasy. The story doesn't want you to read it and be, or or feel the comfort of the tropes or be in awe of the magic and the discovery. Yes. It uses that genre to be a commentary on a historical period, you know, because Game of Thrones is just the War of the Roses. When you think high fantasy, the default is like, I'm a princess and there's a dragon and we're going to do magic things at it. Mm -hmm. So I think this takes it in, I guess, our modern, our most recent uses like, of high uh, fantasy like, yeah. are like grittier. I would say this could be someone's Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Pretty, yeah. Or sorry, this could be someone's Dungeons and Dragons like fifth edition campaign. Yeah. Pretty easily. I do think there's like a difference between this and like Dragon Age, where I think Dragon Age aligns more traditionally high fantasy, and this wants to be like. See, that's another good example. A little grittier. I don't know if you remember this, but when the first trailers came out for the first Dragon Age. Mm-hmm. It is like, which I think we can agree, it is a high fantasy game. Yes. But it's like a little grittier, and they tried to sell it as dark fantasy. So they played heavy metal. They focus on how much gore there was. Yeah, the trailers are not as tonally (laughs) consistent with the game. But like they focused on the elements of it that were grittier to sell it as like a dark fantasy thing. Which I don't think The Witcher sold itself on being gritty. All of The Witcher 3 advertisements were incredible they were short cinematics of Geralt going on a mini quest. oh my god yes so one of my favorites was he had to go tackle a vampire yeah, my favorite and too. he starts drinking a potion because as we were alluding to earlier what makes what you're special are they mutated humans they've been experimented on so they have longer lives they have a higher tolerance for poison which allows for yeah greater they undergo like intense potions. training they're super trained in all sorts of things and tracking and xyz thing anyways this trailer had Geralt down an extremely toxic potion that turned his blood to poison and because he was a witcher he could survive it and he went and fought for four minutes through this advertisement. Uh, <laughs> getting his the, ass whooped. Yeah, getting his, his and face this... punched in by this vampire. And the vampire finally goes in and starts sucking the blood out of his neck, and that's what kills him. And yeah. Geralt comes he out. He turns poison blood. Geralt like, wakes up the next day. And, and this and is like all CGI. It's, it's all it was CGI. pretty impressive. Because some of the trailers for The Witcher 3 were CGI, and yeah. some of them were live action. And, and by the way, this trailer no, is No, none were why... live action. Yeah, there's one with... A uh, live-action woman playing Yennefer riding her horse Whoa. through a field. Oh, okay. it's like Maybe. a Japanese RPG Pretty commercial. Pretty sure, yeah. This is why I think it's easy to to think The Witcher is like a low fantasy kind of darker story because Geralt's existence, like he lives in a world where like people are just teleporting everywhere, shooting fireballs everywhere. 
doing like all kinds of high fantasy nonsense. But Geralt is not like a wizard. Mm -hmm. Geralt is a guy who the only way he's going to kill a vampire is by dying a little bit less than the vampire did when he yeah. tried to suck his blood. Yeah. And that's like a key distinction of uh, the, the, the promise of the Witcher series that is that you're kind of seeing like Batman making his way in a world of super powered people and using his cleverness and his ability to imbibe a lot of bad drugs, uh, to kind of make it just barely make it through by the skin yeah, of his just teeth. Like, just like Batman. <laughs> I think we'll touch Lots on this a lot more later, but I think it aligns with the kind of perspective of this game that sometimes people with power, like great power, aren't really making a difference. So you see whether it's people who are ruling or like the mages have all this power, but Geralt's kind of on the front lines and he's the one who has to make a real difference in the yeah. minutia, maybe like the, the day-to-day -day lives of the average person. It's often just, almost by accident. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's not just that it's sometimes these people with a lot of power, Kings, emperors, what have you, they ask Geralt to do things because of how clever and cunning yeah, he is. That's true. And in the end, they are ordering him to do something but whether or not that aligns with his own conscience yeah. is what determines the fate of the world. I, I think we'll get into the, what this means thematically, but I would almost say that like Geralt being a witcher, his ethics usually tell him don't get involved and, you know, do what you need to for money. But mostly you're going to be killing monsters. Yeah. Right. But his morals are what get him in trouble because Geralt is a guy who wants to stay out of everything because of his ethics but he keeps getting put into situations where his morals, his personal morals are telling him to get involved and to help somebody. And that inadvertently ends up changing the entire world. Yeah. Right. And, and I just want to really go back to why I got off track in the first place. But the Witcher three is a game about Geralt. You don't make your own character. You don't really get a lot of say in how Geralt does things, but the choices you do make are within Geralt's character. Yeah. And that's what's really cool to, about the game for me. Vast majority of the time with some amusing, weird uh, outliers. And I think yeah, it, it works well in this game because like, like you said, Lindsay's genre is RPG with romance, preferably fantasy RPG with romance options. But I never picked up The Witcher 1 or 2 because it didn't feel on the surface RPG enough for me. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, you play Geralt. You don't get to make your character. Also, here's the the only thing I knew about The Witcher 1 and 2. It was 2. less Bioware. Yes. The only thing I knew about The Witcher 1 and 2 was that he he slept with a lot of women. And when you slept with them, you, <laughs> you got, got trading cards trading of cards. them. Yes. <laughs> it was, it's funny because The Witcher 1 and 2, like, I almost associate them with, like, a very cliche view of what, like, a male fantasy looks like. Yeah. And here's, like, as far as my personal intersection with the series goes, ironically, I have played every Witcher <laughs> it came out really but only could only could finish the third one i wasn't okay. that into the first two the first one was just bad i think it, <laughs> it was, was just, not i think everyone agrees game. that's just a bad okay game. the witcher 2 very interesting game for its time because yeah you know you do play as just this one character but what struck me as like kind of different about it is that even from that game it was constantly trying to make you feel like Geralt was bringing baggage with him that you were accountable for which is a through line to this game too. And kind of one of the advantages of playing a pre-written character, I would say. Is yeah. that you can get a much better story. I mean, there are, there are times in The Witcher 3 where someone will like just kind of grill you about what you did before. And they're like, what about this witch? Did you kill her? 
and your decision about whether you killed her or not, which might mean nothing to you as a player, depending on if you played the previous games, actually affects the storyline. And I don't know, like to me, that kind of blows my mind a little bit. Like it's not something you see that often in RPGs anymore. Mm-hmm. So do we want to start summing up the story a little bit, start getting into a plot summary, or is there anything we want to touch on beforehand just to better prepare the listener? So we talked about what kind of world it is, kind of a gritty fantasy world. Ooh, where... And importantly, a lot like on its surface, the buy-in was not your like Western fantasy at first, but Oh yeah, maybe leaning a little bit more Eastern fantasy, which I think this that does exist even in this game, tempered a little bit the further you go along. What do you mean Eastern fantasy here? Um, like Polish, Russian. Oh, Eastern European, like yeah. 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 Sorry, Eastern yeah. That's a big word to leave out. I, uh, Eastern European. Fantasy. I was just listening. I was like, well, Andres, I can't pronounce his last name. I'll try. But the author of the Witcher books is Polish. Mm-hmm. And his books draw a lot on Polish folklore, Polish myths, and other Eastern yeah. European Which do appear. Fairy like, tales. That is part of the game. Maybe now is a good time to touch on the books as well, because they obviously predate the game. Yeah. And the books are uh, sterling you've read them i read like part of one but there are a series of i've read yet i've read a handful of each them. one i would say is like a little quest like a little mission that the character goes so, on right? and mul- multiple within one book. the last okay. wish which is the first book is a series of vignettes with an overarching story but eventually the story does kind of it goes it becomes a bit more story like okay. as they go on and the books aren't sequential in order either right don't they jump around in time no, I don't know anything about that. Oh, okay. I mean, they. it is a common Again, I read, thing. I read two, one and two. Okay. It is so. a very common thing in fantasy novels from like the 70s and 80s to do, like even if the same character is featured, you're kind of seeing like this adventure of that character, that adventure yeah. of that character. And there's a through line and sometimes the plots do like intertwine. But part of the promise is that like, you know what? You pick up any of these books, you get an adventure with a dude with two swords. Yeah. And, and now I'm actually describing both Geralt and Drizzt from another Drizzt? book series. You're in blank stares. Yeah, I Drizzt. don't know. I don't know who Drizzt, Drizzt was like the Geralt of like the 80s and 90s. But what was he his was, book he was a It was a Dungeons and Dragons novel series. Oh my God. All right. All right. This is like a deep cut. Not really. Really? This was a big deal. Yeah. Okay. And it was about a guy with white hair who was like a ranger, and he had like these quests he would go on. He was like morally gray, and he was named Drizzt. He was he was he was uh, Western Geralt, interesting Western European Geralt. Well, I think that kind of the vignette quest style of the books is probably what drew game developers into making a video game around it, because the game tries to emulate some of that feeling of all right, there is an overarching quest. But mostly, when I, when I remember when the game came out, what most people were very impressed by it for was the amount of side quests and how fleshed out some of those side quests felt. Mm-hmm. So I think that drawing from the books worked very well for them in that case. Yeah, it does follow a structure where it feels like each quest line is its own little book you're reading, and then they all kind of connect a little bit the further you go on. So we talked about what kind of world it is. We talked about a witcher being like almost like a warrior monk who has like really mm. high tolerance for poison and a, and a minimal amount of magic they can yes. they can form the basic runes which are the building blocks for spells and magic so they can't cast fireballs really they can't teleport but what they can do are 
manipulate the bare bones they're, they're of like Jedi. Yeah, they're a little bit like Jedi. That's a good way they to have fire, like a yeah. uh, conflagration type of yeah poof of they fire. Have like, they have like parlor tricks that would win you a fight. Yes, and like they are characterized by being able to like get into intense concentration and clear their mind and like control their emotions. And they use this primarily to hunt monsters, right? And the book series is a bunch of stories at at their core about a guy who just wants to hunt monsters, but he keeps getting involved in international politics. Right. Yeah. And and a, there's also a one of the advertisements for this where Geralt had just killed a monster, threw a bag of coin, or we got thrown a bag of coin for that. And the people that hired him to kill the monster were going to murder just a random bystander. He takes the money, throws it back at them, and kills yeah. them. And the witcher that he's a, a that's accompanying him on this journey is like, "What are you doing?" He says, "Killing monsters." Yeah. And was that in the game or in the show? Or I it, forgot what that was. It's in. in the game, I'm sure. But I, I again, yeah, I played so much of this game, I can't really divorce what was in the game and what was and like that's like a classic example of like how Geralt will betray his witcher ethics right to act on his personal sense of right and wrong right because throughout the game his and the games before this his code is he's not going to settle for evil he's not going to sell for a greater or a lesser evil they're both evil yeah so and and also witchers are explicitly instructed to be neutral and not to get involved in political activity which I think, I don't think that this game is like making a joke that you do. I think the whole point of the Witcher series is how impossible that is when yeah. you wield the kind of power that the Witchers do. Yeah. And, and before we get into the story, it is important to know a little bit more about the world and especially some characters that will be reoccurring, recurring through the entire story for the entire game. So I think the next major character we should touch upon is probably Cirilla. Yeah. And Cirilla, or Siri as Geralt calls her, is the adoptive daughter, his ward, that he won from the emperor of a different nation, the emperor of Nilfgaard. He won from... <laughs> well, okay, one was not the right choice, but in this world, there is something called the law of surprise, which means if you do something and it helps somebody so much that they have nothing on their person... You can just say, "All right, I claim the law of surprise, so I'm going to go back to you with your to your house, and the when we get there, something that's not there that is unexpected will yeah. be mine then." And he did that with a cursed man that turned out to be the up and coming king of a new nation, and he came home to discover that, oh no, the queen's pregnant. Whoops! So now Cirilla became his ward by right of law and to fight that would be to go against destiny which i don't think this game goes into a ton no it doesn't at it's all it's just kind of really. like yeah you're it in charge of this girl well it tells you it does tell you she's his daughter mm-hmm. it doesn't tell you exactly how it happened until actually near the end of the game i believe right and it's but, also very clear that like she's your daughter in quotation marks but she's really this this emperor's daughter yes. uh, if by the way listeners if you're curious the first i think 3 or 4 episodes of the netflix show do like the that whole arc is about how siri becomes gerald's daughter so if right. you're curious you can find it there and so gerald took siri and trained her in the ways of the witcher despite her never 
having received the mutagenic, torturing qualifications that make up a usual witcher. However, Ciri does have an unusual trait to her called the Elder Blood. And the Elder Blood it's technically is, like elf blood. Yeah, it's it's elfin blood in a way, but it has the ability to stop an apocalypse, I guess, would be. Well, that's, yeah. that's it's, yeah. <laughs> the elder blood, it's it, I think it's intentionally left vague just exactly what it does, but the important takeaway is that it is extremely powerful in ways that the game goes out of its way not to lock down. It's beyond your comprehension. And in Siri's case, it manifests most obviously as teleportation and also dimensional travel and time travel. Yeah. Super cool. Anyway, before the game starts, Siri went off on her own, and you learn she's being pursued by something called the Wild Hunt, which is a another difficult thing to describe <laughs> at this point. So the the Wild Hunt is another dimension, a kingdom from another dimension of elves who, because of their current like evil-like monarch, goes around and kind of pillages other countries and places in other worlds for their own benefit. And they want Ciri because her elder blood will make them more powerful. So every time Ciri uses her teleportation magic, the Wild Hunt is kind of like on the lookout for her and it like trips their radar. So in this game you start out kind of remembering like what was it like back when we were all a big happy family and Geralt lived with his lover, uh, Yennefer, who's a witch and they're the sorceress, a sorceress and their kind of adoptive daughter, Siri. And then you wake up realizing Geralt's looking for Yennefer. That's kind of like the first quest of the game. Why does Yennefer want to see you? He received a letter to meet her at a town called white orchard. And, that town has just recently been conquered and taken over by the Nilfgaardian army. I will say this is where, even when I played this game, I was like, I don't care to keep track of all the... Po There's like a yes. lot of, this country's invading that country, so, and this army is here, and this is there. This is an important plot point. So it's, it's a good idea to briefly summarize what's happening. Yeah. You, this entire game takes place in, quote, the north. And the north is generally a place called Temeria. That's most of where you are. Right. And Tamiria is currently ruled by a guy named Radovid, who is, who is a crazy dude. And when Chris says crazy, he means crazy. Like genocidal. Genocidal, terrible, pogroms on non-humans, on anything. And with witches. A, witches, medicinal herb salesmen, mm -hmm. uh, apothecaries, anybody that has the slightest Anything tinge. over five grams. <laughs> So you would definitely have known a little bit of this. A little bit of this was set before game three. Other yeah. people you were probably exposed to. Dandelion is one of my favorites. He's a bard. He's so fun. And he's like Geralt's BFF, but maybe begrudgingly on Geralt's part. Dandelion just keeps popping back up like, like a weed. Dandelion is the only friend Geralt really has who's not like a warrior because Dandelion is patient enough and it helps his career enough to hang out with yes. Geralt. Right. Dandelion, as a bard, thinks Geralt's stories are super cool, which is why Geralt is as widely known as he is, yeah. because Dandelion sometimes will go on adventures with Geralt. In fact, your entire quest log is Dandelion mm -hmm. writing it. <laughs> and the other thing about Dandelion is he is kind of a liar. Like, he likes to talk himself up and claim things that may not be super true about himself. So I think... 
He embellishes. I don't. I don't know if okay. he's a liar. All right. He embellishes, <laughs> and that's very political of you. He stretches the truth. <laughs> so there's truth there, though. <laughs> Maybe. So I think that his part of his attraction, like platonic attraction to Geralt, is feeling like you're on the edge of something great. Like he feels like finally, if he's kind of tangentially involved in this. It kind of helps him live up to his own stories about himself, perhaps. And if he can record the greatness of somebody else, he too will be remembered He's as the recorder, the historian of Geralt's deeds. Yeah, Maybe. that's true. Yeah, I mean, it's not explicitly stated here, but through a lot of the other media, oh, and you I guess can pick it up. While we're telling you briefly about some characters you should know, there's also Triss. Yeah. And Yennefer, which we haven't touched on yet. Yennefer we touched on her a little. We said Triss. Yennefer was the one who Geralt was kind of living in this familial situation with, with Ciri. She's a sorceress. She is... Very old, but doesn't look it. She's a sorceress who belongs to the Lodge, which is... An international organization of witches and sorceresses who are meant to play advisor roles or vizier type roles to leaders of nations across the world. They're She's kind definitely of like, an important person. Sh- they're like, they're essentially the Illuminati because <laughs> <Yeah>. they control <laughs> world events, but they do not want to be leaders themselves. They think there's more power in guiding leaders than being them, like yeah. like being that at risk. And yeah. they live real long too because of their, their magic. Well, the magic mm-hmm. grants them extraordinary long, extraordinarily long lives. So witchers also have extraordinarily long lives, but something of note and a difference between the two are that witchers still age and sorceresses get to put on a glamour and they get to choose how they look. So almost all of the sorceresses are beautiful. Babes. Babes, yeah. Prime of their lives. Yeah. And so Yennefer has raven hair, ra- jet black hair, lilac eyes. Not a wrinkle on her. No. Gorgeous. So I like. She's like 114 years old. It seems very on brand that we bring up Triss and we're all like, but what if we could talk about Yennefer instead? <laughs> because Triss is like. The girl next door version of Yennefer, I would say. Because she's also a sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Also part of the lodge. Has, but she... Has red hair and has, freckles. <laughs> she's got red hair and freckles, an American accent. And yeah, she's very girl, girl next door. And uh, she is the one of the best friends of Yennefer. And a conflict that you kind of need to know about going into this game... Oh, yeah. Is that in a one of the books, Geralt Lost died. his memory. He died... He came back, didn't have his memory, and then had sex with Triss. Well, not just that. They had a full-blown relationship while Geralt was an amnesiac. And so Yennefer found it very difficult to forgive Geralt and Triss for a very long time. But eventually they, they all grew apart, and now we're coming back, and... Things have settled. The pond isn't rippling anymore from these stones being thrown in. Well, into it. it is for Yennefer. I mean, it's murky under the water still. It's, it's, it's still it's murky, but the river. I side with Yennefer. It's, it's, of it's I do. hard enough that Yennefer, at one point in his game, sees a single hair from Triss on a bed and throws it out of a window. That's true. That does happen. <laughs> and Geralt's real bummed about the bed. <laughs> it was a nice bed. <laughs> so we start at the beginning of the game looking for Yennefer because she has something important to tell Geralt. This is kind of the part of the game where they're both introducing you to the basic controls and how do you witch? How does one go about witching? <laughs> how does one witch? I, I thought I, I didn't think 
Which would be the the, the, <laughs> witchering. the verb form of it. Yeah. I think, yeah, witchering is the How appropriate. one witcher? And the answer is, you know, you have to use various implements like bombs. You have to use special oils that let you hurt enemies better. Your utility belt. Exactly. Drink potions. Men. The beginning of this game is definitely showing you how does Geralt barely get by using all of these tools but it's also showing you the effects of war. Right. And I know that when the game came out and you played this first uh, tutorial section, it left a huge lasting impact on you for that one side quest on the board. Yeah. Dude, I was talking about this game for like a year, about like the first five hours of it. (laughs) Cause after I stopped, cause I spoilers, (laughs) I, I was not a fan of this game mechanically, but I do think like I've been alluding to, there's a lot of really interesting things that this game does, which is why it's very hard for me to say if I like this game or not. There's so many good things about it. And one of them is how this game starts you out in a place called White Orchard. And remember, there is a war going on. So you're in the north, normally Tamiria, but a country from the south, Nilfgaard, uh, which is led by the father of Siri, the emperor of uh, Emir of von Emerus, I believe. But I'm going to call mm-hmm. him Siri's dad. Siri's dad, Emir, invades the north, and you are seeing the after effects of it. And this game kind of shows you very quickly that, like, a lot of your play is going to be taking jobs from, like, quest boards mm-hmm. or, like, citizens you run into. One of them is... This uh, man who wants you to find his brother. Yes. and Because he went missing after the battle that ended this town's fight for independence from Nilfgaard. And you are told, hey, he was last seen over in this area. A battlefield. And, and, and the battlefield. And you go to the battlefield and it's just a series of corpses. And you have to root around through them to try and find some sort of indicator. Some yeah. sort of You don't have his piece. dental work. No. <laughs> To try and find this guy's pretty much assumedly dead brother. It really sets a tone that in this game, you're not going to be the white knight charging in on the front line being this heroic figure. You're kind of there after the mess has happened. Kind of a scavenger. Yeah. Part of the element of being a witcher is you got to go where people need help. And places where people need a lot of help are often in dire straits. There's a line in the game where uh, Amir asks Geralt, what are you going to do now that the war has happened or whatever? Won't say when this is. And Geralt says, hey, (laughs) when the battle is over, that's when the most work is there for a witcher. And you'll find out part of that is because like when people die in bad ways, demons happen. Yeah. Right. And that's one of the things about this particular world that the witcher takes place on is that when somebody dies and they're not properly laid to rest or they did something wrong or they're racked with guilt or sin when they die Mm -hmm. they can become a monster and that's why Geralt is always going to be needed but as of right now in the story and in this world there's way less monsters than there used to be because a lot of witchers and a lot of people have gone out and taken down the giants yeah the big baddies so there's really only endangered things like a griffin here or there or maybe a uh which is kind of a good narrative device for people to be like are there such things as griffins there could be i don't know and even though there is one right around the corner monsters are just rare enough that like the world isn't like someone saying 
yeah, put out some salt for the goblins. Like, it's yes. not, like, that part of their daily lives, but they're all living in fear of it constantly. There's an element of the unknown around them, even though it is a realistic threat. Right. So you are walking around on this battlefield. You are ident- identifying corpses, telling this guy, like, I don't think this is your brother. He's telling you, oh, this isn't my brother. This isn't my brother. And, like, you know, put yourself in this guy's shoes. And every single corpse you get to, you think... Am I going to get, like, blasted with, like, the finality of my brother's death right now? Yeah. And it just keeps having these parts where I'm, like, holding my breath because I'm like, is this going to be it? And then you don't find his brother. Instead, you find him holed up in a little fort. Not a fort, a bit like a house where he is in hiding with another enemy soldier. And he's taking care of the enemy soldier because one of them... One of them is taking care of the other. They've been injured in the war. And it kind of shows you that, like, when the battle was over, they didn't care what their banners were. They just knew that they were two people who, at the end of the day, like, were more interested in finding, like, some kind of emotional connection than they were in fighting this political battle for their rulers. And it's a little bit hopeful. You know, it's a nice, like, view of the ground with a tiny spark of hope that, like, people are better than we look. We, like the rest of the Witcher game might make you yeah. think that they are. Yeah, for sure. And I think this game does a really cool transition here because pretty soon after you do that quest, you find Yennefer. Yennefer tells you that the Emperor wants to meet you. So you go talk to the Emperor who says, hey, I want you to find my daughter, Siri. Also, you might know her. She's your daughter, too. <laughs> and I have these leads I want you to look into. And we'll get to like what these leads are, but during this uh, meeting... You talk to the emperor's advisor and he gives you a rough overview of what politically is happening all over the north. And you're just seeing everything like from a bird's eye view. And you're seeing like no people. You're just seeing colors. And like what does the color represent of like who controls what area? And what leads into this tube, I, I forgot to bring this up. But one of the, the way the game teaches you how to have a conversation is you talk to a historian and the historian says, I'm going around chronicling the war and what's like happening. And Geralt says, well, one of the things you can say is, yeah, you can tell everything like about like the murders and like the poor people and like what happens to the people on the ground. And the historian says, no, nah, that's not important. Those are just footnotes. <laughs> and then the historian, you find him later, hanged from a tree mm-hmm. as another footnote in history. And you that's find what it. we call statistics. <laughs> statistics and a little bit of irony and you kind of like transitioning from that and the brother's quest like you're seeing what does Geralt see every day and then moving to Emir's palace in Vizima which is where you meet him and seeing like how does the emperor and how did like how does Yennefer look at like this conflict and you're just seeing names on a map and you're just seeing abstract representations of like all of the horror that's happening. And I, I feel like I can probably, that was the point where I connected the most with Geralt because he's in the, like pretty much the one in that room who is most intimately familiar with how much everyone is missing. He has to move between these two worlds and yet feels like he doesn't have enough power to majorly shift either of those two worlds. Yeah. Although we will find out this game <laughs> is arguing. He does. Only through Siri. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I don't think it's necessarily just through Siri, but yeah, it is Siri. Well, Siri has an impact on the greater world, but we, this game is going to show you that Geralt has an unbelievable impact on the North. Yeah, right. Uh, the entire 
fate of the North that rests in Geralt's hand, whether he knows it now and, or and doesn't. He, yeah, and he doesn't want it to. It's just inevitable for him. So Emir... The ask Emperor. Series dead. Yeah, the Emperor, Series dead, Emir. Uh, <laughs> what does he ask Geralt to do? Geralt is asked to find his daughter because Siri is missing and has last been spotted pursued by the wild hunt. The uh, Nilfgaardian intelligence has found out that Siri has recently been sighted nearby, but you're going to have to go find this spy. And basically the three countries of the, in the north. of the north. Right, that Siri is somewhere in the north, whether it's in... Skellige, Novigrad, or that other place. Velen. Velen. And Amir is asking... Like, follow up on these leads. Yeah, just follow up on the leads, find my daughter, I'll make it worth your while. Mm-hmm. And, you know... And I'll notably, re- his other spies have failed him at this yeah. point. And their quest is that he find Siri and bring Siri back to... To Amir. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amir wants a successor to the now, throne. Now, this is where I think we kind of need to talk about quest structure, okay? Because yeah. at this point... This is essentially how the original Fallout works. So someone tells you there's a thing you need to find. I don't know where they are. Here's the best lead I have. Here is a map. That lead will inevitably fail you. Like you will find out that this lead doesn't take you to them. And so you have to you have to follow clues you picked up on the way to that lead, right? That's a classic RPG plot structure. That's how Fallout 1 works. In this game, you're given three leads. One is Skellige, one is Novigrad, and one is Velen, but This game has a leveling system where in order to use better equipment and have better numbers, you have to raise your character level. And so what's kind of strange about this is that you're given these three leads, but Geralt doesn't know this, but you, the player, know, well, I can't go to Skellige because I'm not strong enough to go to Skellige because that's a level 15, 15, I think, area. I can't go to Novigrad because that's like a level 8-ish area. But Velen, Velen's like level two. Do you think this is, I'm going to play, I mean, I obviously think there are better ways of doing this. Yeah. So I'm going to be a little bit of a devil's advocate. Do you think this is the text of the game forcing you into like a canon order? Like it's them using a mechanic that says, okay, it's not really open-ended because you're not really playing an RPG where you made your own character. You're playing Geralt. And we're telling you. Geralt. Geralt was prepared for this area, and then he was prepared for that area, and then he was ready for um, that area. I don't think it's about what Geralt is prepared for at all, but I think what it is about is that the game is setting these levels because it has a it has a specific set of experiences that it wants you to have. That's what, yeah, I didn't literally mean yeah. Geralt is prepared. But that's important like, because that distinction will come up when we're talking about, like, well, what does Geralt want versus what yeah. you want? So when you don't go to Skellige, it's not because Geralt doesn't want to go to Skellige. Probably he does want to go. That's where Yennefer is. She's checking out Skellige before you. Geralt wants to just exhaust every lead. You, the player, and only you, the player, knows that you have to be in Velen, and the practical effect of that is you get a smooth experience where you see things happen in a way that the authors want you to see them happen, presumably because they think that will tell you the best story. But I wouldn't I say it's because that it follows some kind of logic in Geralt's head. Yes. No, that's what I was saying. That was my point, I think. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's true. I, I think I've been too long out of Velen in my playthrough of the game to tell you what it gets out of that progression. I mean, obviously, the stakes rise as you get further and further into the game. 
but I don't know if there's something you need to see in Velen. I guess Velen is the closest to White Orchard because Velen is quote unquote no man's land. Right. This is the first area you go to. You just have a series of serfdoms almost where yes. you run into the Bloody Baron in this area. And the Bloody Baron has is a fan favorite quest, I yeah. guess. I mean, it's weird well, calling him a fan. Because he's earlier in the game, so most of the players. Well, a lot of well, people say the quest. game gets a little bit worse after the Bloody Baron. This, uh, this yeah. is considered like a high point in the game. It's early in the game, so people who would have put the game down would probably still have seen that quest. But I'm saying people who didn't put the game down say yeah, that this yeah. is one of the best quests. So, anyways, what happens is you go to try and find Amir's contact that found out where Siri is. He's dead, and you just find some note saying. Vel- last spotted Velen, Novigrad, and Skellige, whatever. Figure it out yourself, because I'm dead. And you... I like the, the idea that he wrote that on the note. Figure out, because I'm dead. <laughs> but he's... So you end up tra- tracking uh, Siri to the Bloody Baron, where you where she stayed with him for a short period of time. But the Bloody Baron is tight-lipped on this matter. He doesn't want to talk to you about anything. He's kind of a curmudgeon, uh, a terrible dude. But First of all, who is the Bloody Baron? Because I actually forgot this fact and found it extremely interesting. But he's not a Baron. He's not a ruler of any kind Like before like the last couple months. This is just a guy who had like a platoon of troops. And when the war hit Velen and then left, because Radovid retreated to like the Novigrad area, uh, this baron just kind of like led his troops to a fortress, took it over, and said, we're the closest thing there is to order in this entire part of the country, so I guess I'm the baron now. And everyone just went along with inertia. It. They're like, well, what else are we going to do? Yeah. Like, he's going to protect us? All right. But, yeah. But the bloody baron is not a great guy, and he's not going to tell you anything about Siri, no matter how readily available it is on the tip of his tongue. He wants something from you first because you're a witcher and you can do something that only witchers can do for him. And that would be to find his missing wife. And daughter. And daughter. Well, yeah. Yeah. Both of them. It's uh, basically he is kind of haunted by a monster. And we won't get into how Geralt goes through all of this. but You do have to trek around the entire world for this quest, but... Uh, yeah, you find his wife kind of held prisoner. By a seri- by three crones in a forest, and those three crones also happened to have run into Siri in the past, but the wife of the Bloody Baron ran away because he was abusive, an alcoholic, not good to her, not good to the kid. He beat her up, which caused her to have a miscarriage, and then he didn't want anyone to know... So he didn't bury the baby properly. So the first big monster problem you have to deal with, the haunting of like the, the Baron's household, is like the ghost of the baby. And you have to put this baby, this quote, botchling, to rest. And that's when you go and like, this is where Geralt's like morality takes over. And he's like so angry at the Baron. He finds him drunk and he says, you fucking killed the baby yourself. And he beats the Baron up in the street as the Baron soldiers watch. And you literally beat sense into him. And he says, all right, I got to take care of my family now. And so only it works that way in real life. You beat the sense back into him. Well, I mean, when your entire town is watching, you get your, (laughs) your, your nose punched in. It'll fix things. They they come and he's like, stop. No, I deserve this. (laughs) (laughs) 
So you go find the wife, but the sister or the daughter actually finds the wife too. Yeah. Because when you go and find the wife held prisoner by the witches, who are kind of like their own crones. little rulers, the like. crones, who are, you're right, because they're not from the lodge. They're like local witches. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because like colloquially, like outside of the game, they are the cliche they are witches. witches. They're like the three. Like, Hansel and Gretel, except not yeah. a gingerbread house. Well, they're they're, they're like the traditional witches. three witches. They make fly potion. At one point, you actually find them making fly potion, which I don't know if you guys know how you make that, but you use dead babies. Ooh. And that's how you rub that onto your broomstick, which is like a sexual metaphor, and then you fly. Witches are scary, guys. And this is this is a pretty gonna, good depiction. I hate that fact so much. Yeah. I'm gonna put a lot of effort into forgetting it. <laughs> I'm I'm really I'm trying bummed to out. not think about it too much so it doesn't lodge in my that's, brain. That's it's too why late. It's, it's witches there. have kind of over time become like seen as uh, like a feminist icon too. Right. Because originally they were women who were demonized for showing any sexuality. So right. all of the myths associated with witches are related to like using phallic objects and like dancing and like rubbing yeah. things on themselves. No, specifically the dead baby. Oh, potion. the dead baby. That, yeah. yeah. That's fly potion. It, yeah. it wasn't. That's why yeah. they fly. And sometimes they thought broomsticks were phallic. <laughs> yeah. um, I thought that you were talking about like some sort of turns you into a fly Kafka esque kind that's of. That's what I originally thought. And I'm like much, and then much I more saw disturbed. Now. The movie, the witch. And I was like, what the hell is this referencing? And I looked up like, this is just literally how witches were Yikes. said to work. So uh, the crones are old school witches taken seriously. Yeah. Very scary. But somehow not the way witches are classified yeah, in this game. Exactly. And they've and they're keeping the Baron's wife prisoner. And you have the option to let her go by helping the crones free an evil sp a spirit from a tree. Yeah, I want to know what you guys did with this tree because I had so little context for freeing or killing the tree and I just ended up killing it even yeah. though I didn't like the crones. I think I killed it. Killed it? It says something about how it can free the children of the village. So here's what happens in, in both situations here. Yeah. You can side with the crones who are not a fan of this evil spirit in the tree and kill it which is what we all did and Everything seems to progress normally, like life in this crummy crone part of town continues <laughs> as usual. But if you do release it and let it loose, it slaughters the entire town. Oh. It slaughters everything. And the, oh, cool. So I made the right decision. Including it, the crones? It, uh, no, I think the crones Everyone stick around. Everyone but the crones! <laughs> so the, cron the crones are powerful, so it doesn't manage yeah. to get them. That's but true. it kills the town, it kills the wife, it kills everybody, and the Baron, uh, later on in the story, will come here and oh. be so distraught he hangs himself. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah, that is one of the endings. So, But anyways, regardless of whether you save his wife or not... It, you go back, you tell him what happens, it happened, that you were a bad yes. husband, that you are shitty, you're terrible, but you can grow, you can change. I am, And you, you find his daughter. I say this right now because the next thing will include this fact. When you find his daughter, you find out that she is one of Radovid's witch hunters. She ran away to Novigrad. And this, this kind of all comes to a head in this next quest line, which is technically optional, but who isn't going to do this at this point? When you tell the Baron that his wife is held prisoner by the crones, he does something that, you know what? I kind of wish more RPGs did. He says, oh, the, they're in a witch dungeon. I'm going to get my army and we're going to march into the witch dungeon. 
and we're going to kill everyone who looks remotely like a witch. <laughs> and <you laughs> and every werewolf and, like, goblin. But, that but that's see. what's so amazing about this game, is yeah. that you can have him do that, and then his his little heart perch of power is essentially vacant for the rest of the game because he's off oh, wandering into the wilderness. Yeah, his, his lieutenants take over instead of him because he's on this quest for his wife. And the lieutenants are killing everybody. They're actually raiding all of... Because the local towns have no protection. They're like little so anarchist communes almost. This is if you don't save his wife yourself, you come back and say, here's where she is. Regardless of what you do... She won't come back with you, uh, so he has yeah. to go. He Well, if he saves his wife, he still leaves because he takes her to some mountain with healing air right, to like, take care of her. He wants to get the witch's grasp off of her. And yeah, so his lieutenants kind of are left in charge. And they're and not, they're worse people. Yeah, they just go and like pillage all of the So are they in charge towns. no matter what decision you make? Yes, okay. because no matter what, he will leave that area. That makes sense. And while you're there, you do, by the way, make a note that the Baron has a little like cursed creature with him that he uses as like a jester. Yeah, kind of like Quasimodo, but uglier. Which is yeah. saying something. And uh, yeah, just kind of tuck that away in your head for a second. And you're like, uh, and, and through all of this, you find out that Siri did come through here. She met the Baron. She helped the Baron out. And the Baron viewed her as almost the daughter that he wished he had. Yes. The, everyone's very impressed with Siri. Well, I, I mean, would who wouldn't be? Awesome. Yeah. She hunts a werewolf First at some all, point. Have you seen her eyeliner? Oh, my God. Her eyeliner is great. It is great. thick. It goes all the way around. It's very punk. And it kind of like stays it. on. Yeah. Like, dude, listeners. She puts eyeliner on her lower lid like it's 1994 and it works. Yeah. I love it and I respect it. A lot of people do that still. Uh, it's kind, it's of, kind of a more Middle Eastern thing. Oh, I was going to say, it's a little out of like trend. It's, it's a Middle Eastern thing and also it's like a punk thing for some reason. Yeah, that makes mm. sense. Yeah. And uh, I could go yeah. into makeup facts. So she fights the werewolf. She meets the Baron. At some point, this is, this is one of the most bizarre choices the game makes. She leaves Velen, does other things, and then comes back to Velen and gets involved with the, the crones who take her prisoner and then leaves again. So Velen is the beginning and end of, well, almost end of series journey. And you learn all these facts. So you're like, okay, I better go check what happened in Novigrad because uh, before you find the crones, the last lead has her going there. So before we move on, because we did say that people praised the yeah. Bloody Baron quest, what is it you guys think it is about this quest that makes it so memorable or makes it people's favorite? I mean, I know my answer. I, I, I think, why don't you go? Why don't you tell us then? I, I think that it leans into the idea that even when you resolve a quest and you have options, you're still going to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You just kind of have to sit with the ickiness sometimes because you helped this guy find his wife that he abused and like he treated he caused her yeah. to have a miscarriage and treated that terribly but the reality of the world is you gotta help this entire community move some direction yeah and he's such a he's a character of such pathos because he's such a bad guy like you learn all of the worst things he's done at the beginning and then you kind of see him and like I'm not saying this will redeem him in the eyes of most or players that, oh it was understandable to be <laughs> right. his wife that yeah won't, that won't happen but what you will kind of, when you see the crones, who are probably some of the worst characters you will encounter in the game, you are you see something so wicked and so vile that you're almost like, 
I kind of want this guy to go there and burn that area yeah. to the ground. You're rooting for him because yeah, you it, don't want the worst evil. But then again, you're starting to deal with varying degrees of evil, right? which is kind of what Geralt has been preaching the whole time. Yeah. Is evil is evil and all of this sucks. I think it yeah. really does a good job of showing you why Geralt is so hesitant to get involved in everybody's business. Whereas the yeah. normal video game is me like, crashing down doors into private abodes being like wake up i'm here to help you yeah uh, it's gonna be great i'm gonna make your life so much better Where's also Carol? i'm taking this it encapsulates <laughs> yes. also i'm breaking your pots it encapsulates everything you guys are saying but it also kind of is a microcosm of being a ruler because again this guy yeah. became a ruler like last month and he has no idea what he's doing he is, there is more order under him than there was without him. And after him. And after, immediately after him. And he is so reliant on you to give him direction on like what his, not really what his goals should be, but like what he's capable of accomplishing next. Mm -hmm. And so it's a microcosm of like the whole game where Geralt is like, you know, even though I don't want to get involved, whatever I do here is going to decide the entire future, the near future of all of the people living in this entire country. Yeah. Or and region. Do you, do you think that Geralt looks at these people like the bloody Baron or Amir or others like them in positions of power and thinks they have so much less experience than I do. They don't know the effects of what they want to do. Like I have, like I would, cause I've lived yeah. Like three times as long as most of these people. And I've seen and interacted with rulers across multiple kingdoms. And I just get it. The botching is a good example of that because from Geralt's perspective, he's like, I know you're right. You're like the last right for this child and what you're supposed to do. And how could you possibly not know that this would happen if you didn't bury your child? But the blood to the bloody Baron, because again, this world is like right on the brink of people not believing in these things. He's like, yeah, what's the worst that could happen? Like, I only, even though he did fight a friggin' griffin or something earlier, the, 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 the existence of, like, actual ghosts are just enough on the fringe of society for the Bloody Bear to be like, oh, maybe I'll get away with it. Like Han Solo and the Force. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> actually, yeah, you know what? You're, it's kind of like you're a Geralt, and, like, you're watching Han Solo, and you're like, how do you not know that supernatural things exist? <laughs> like, watch, I can force push you right now. It's like, mm, I don't know, that's some fancy religious mumbo-jumbo. Like, your, uh, your, your wife was taken by witches. Oh, like some crazy old ladies. No, again, <laughs> you live in fantasy land. <laughs> They're witches. Bring your anti-witch charms. Bring some salt, throw it over your shoulder, walk backwards when you see them, and whatever you do, do not laugh at any of their jokes. Like, yes. Geralt has, like, a laundry list of, like, <laughs> ways to handle folk creatures. This is why it's so important to always be informed about... The rules? The rules. Yeah. I need to know all the rules just in case one day everyone's like, whoops, I guess ghosts are real. And I'm like, so, I've been preparing yeah. for this my entire life. L Lindsay always makes a joke, like, well, you know, if I saw a vampire, first thing I would think is, I better make sure which <laughs> things about vampires are true, so I'm testing all of them. So witches are basically people like Lindsay who found out supernatural things exist. And they thought two things. One, <laughs> let's learn every single rule and apply them for profit. And two... The profit part's important. Uh, we need to be able to take a lot of poison in our bodies so that we are strong enough to fight. Yeah, that's why I've been eating mostly pizza. So my body can function on it. High toxicity levels. <laughs> yeah. I think that's just... I, I keep coming back to this because I think that's so... 
unique about witchers, like the, the lore behind witchers, is that the thing that really makes them unique more than anything else is that the things that can help you fight monsters are not good for you. Yeah. And witchers don't give a shit. <laughs> They're like, all right, people shouldn't be doing these. And so we are going to be a specific people of people that, you know, that do the bad things and can imbibe those bad things to take care of everybody else. Do you think the author of The Witcher has an agenda here? Because the way you refill all of your potions, and this is a cool thing about the game, like it wants you to craft. So every time you meditate, you don't have to recraft anything. It just refills auto, it everything. It for you, yeah. The currency it uses to refill everything, regardless of what the original ingredients are, alcohol. is alcohol. I love that. Which means that the core of everything you do, like all the things you put into your body... Really, it's alcohol. You're just like, I'm telling you, <laughs> so vampires. Witch- witchers are people who are just really good at drinking. That checks out. That tracks. I can still be a witcher, I think. <laughs> I don't think I could so be a witcher So that's what when Geralt's like, I'm, my body's numb. He mean, literally, he can't feel his face. Yes. I can't feel my face when I'm <laughs> hunting werewolves. Yeah, that... <laughs> so uh so that's why i know i think in summary like velen is a place where you kind of learn about the moral grays of the world how hard it is to make these like high level decisions especially if you have no experience or knowledge of any kind other than being a soldier and um it kind of also is the one that's like more pastoral than some of the other areas it's very like European countryside. When you get to the other places, they they go in a little bit of a different direction. When I think of an average like vista in The Witcher, I kind of think of Velen. I think of like the big open fields, the farmland. Yeah, most of it feels like most of The Witcher takes place there, anyways. Especially if you're moving between cities or towns. It's like the biggest geographical like tract of land. Yeah, it's got it's a huge tract of land. (laughs) Sorry. So the next destination is Novigrad, which is a large metropolitan city in a way for the time. It is, Stone, it is the big city. Kind of, of castle like buildings everywhere, taverns. It's huge. Armories. It's a, it's a, it's Dude, an enormous town. So many armories. <laughs> Only three actually count as sh- like shops you can go to. Yeah, there's the one on the plaza. God, that made me so mad, the... you guys. <laughs> I was walking the around the other full of swords. Aren't good enough for you. Geralt. Okay. Also, well, it's funny that you mentioned that because armories and like uh, blacksmiths have uh, levels, mm. so not all of them can craft everything. Yeah, and so like these must be some shitty armors that you're just walking by. Where I'm like, like. If you have too much stuff you're carrying in this game, you can only walk. And, you know, at this point of the game, another big feature of Velen is that you have so little money. The quests give you almost no money. So, like, appropriate for a Witcher, you're always strapped for cash, especially when you get into Novigrad and there's stuff to buy now. And you have nothing. So I'm like, every time I kill people, I pick up their equipment to sell it. And I'm like walking i'm basically i have to ride oh, my horse no. all the way through Novakrat up the stairs around like You're through like, the roach, alleys come on because i have my only source of money is selling swords and i'm like i keep passing like people who look like blacksmiths but i can't like if you go up and talk to them they're like what do you want witcher or something <laughs> Ooh, like, maybe the game implies stuff. that they won't do business with a witcher well that's an example i'm just riffing i think that's they, how they I, just say hi my, my preferred interpretation is they are 
anti-witchers, and that's made very apparent through most of your interactions with anybody in the game. Witchers are freaks. They don't want to be true. around. They are, they're monster hunters, which makes them a monster themselves to be able to deal with them. So witchers are scary things, and a lot of people just that's, won't. That is a fair point. Yeah. I don't think that's why. I think it's because they don't want to put that many shops in the game. <laughs> But that is very true. I want to point out, though, I have the most swords. I pick up a sword. Don't ask me where I got them. I just have, for various reasons, <laughs> a lot of Tamarian swords. Yeah. And I need to offload them privately. <laughs> and I just want one of you to take them off my hands and give me, like, five whatever. Dinars? I forgot what Whatever. Just one. Orange. One One money. One money, even. <laughs> yeah. Just give me something to earn this walking I did to you. So an interesting facet of life in Novigrad is there are witch hunts and people being burnt at the stake in town squares. And and by witches, we mean people like Yennefer, or not people like the crones. Yeah, right. The crones know better than to be in Novigrad. And that's, yeah. that's why I wanted to really emphasize the distinction on crone there, because witch for the people of Novigrad is any non-human, any person that has magical abilities or any person that really has some sort of healing ability even. Yeah. So they are all in on humans are the master race and they want to it's, it's eliminate funny everything else. Because they focus entirely on mages when you first get there. Like there's actually a lot of non-humans you will meet who exist fairly normally in that world. Like they're not being murdered immediately, but it will escalate to what Sterling is talking about later in the story. And I think that's very interesting because it will come up as a plot point about humans exactly when it's supposed to be relevant. But for now, when you first get there, the big thing is the mages, including your old friend and lover, Triss are in danger. The redhead. Because one. At, yes, who's because not at any as point, good as Yennefer, the one who's not as good as Yennefer is in danger. And actually, she's your con your first contact when you come to Novigrad because you think if anyone would have seen Siri come through, it would be Triss. Right, because they do have some past together. Yeah. Well, Siri was trained, I think, for, to some degree by the Lodge, is their explanation. So she does know all of those witches. So, again, there's a lot that goes on here. And it's all the little dialogue and nu nuances and character interactions that really make it great. Uh, your friend Dandelion is missing. You have to go find him because he was the last person Siri saw here. You find Dandelion after a lot of quests. Yeah, this is a very... I think we should we should table Dandelion because this is a very good example of the labyrinthine quest structure of this game where it's like, all right, to do this, you must help me with this. Okay, nice. I'll help you with that. Yeah, yeah, you want to help that guy? First, you got to help me with my gerbil. Okay, I'll help you with the gerbil. The gerbil is like, I'm actually possessed by a ghost. <laughs> help me with the ghost. And the Overgrad might be the most... Convoluted. Like, con yeah, convoluted set of that stuff. Especially because it's a tightly packed area, but yeah. it's still a big area. So getting from point A to B takes longer, and they do a lot of sending you back and forth between the, s the heart of the city and like the outskirts. Yeah. So all you're just like jumping over walls and trying to do whatever you can. All I have to say about Novigrad is they had the Gwent tournament there and <laughs> Gwent was my life. And uh, what what is Gwent exactly? Gwent uh -oh. is a card game uh -oh. that you're introduced <laughs> to in the tutorial 
and you can go and scrounge the the far reaches of this entire world to find cards. I just remembered one of your best friend in Nova, best friends in Novigrad, the dwarf. I mm-hmm. forgot yeah. his name. Zaldor, the dwarf. Zaldor, I think. Uh, Zoltar, <laughs> Zoltar, Zoltar. Zelda. Yeah. And he tells you like, I, I'll come help you uh, with this other thing you're asking me about, but first I need you to help me get these Gwent cards. And you, I, you have the option to be like, no, <laughs> no, go to where I'm telling you to go. And that's the one I picked. It failed an entire Gwent related quest line. Amazing. Because at that point of the game, when I like happened to find that quest. Because a lot of characters, like, you're going to talk to them because you need to do so for a different quest. But every time you talk to that character, they're still going to give you the option to pursue other quest lines with him. So the way it was timed when I talked to him, he was like, oh, hey, Geralt, by the way, I really have a big problem I need you to help me with. Which the game assumed I would have seen that earlier. And I had bigger things going on. (laughs) And I was like... No, I'm sorry about your debt. Uh, when you come back here, you're probably dead. Anyway, go to Care Morn because I need you to help me out with something. <laughs> oh, See, man. Sterling would have dropped the big problem. Yes. Quint like, is the number the one problem. I was like, uh, yeah, because Siri has been missing for over 48 <laughs> hours. Everybody knows what happens after 48 hours. So what? It's like we're getting diminishing returns on our search. The, the dwarf point. is like, what? Siri's missing? Oh my God, I had this Gwent problem. I know there were so many more serious things going on. No way. It's like, wait tell a minute. Me, tell me about that Gwent problem. Because if I, you're going to pay me in cards, <laughs> I'm here for it. We'll, tell, like we'll talk about Siri later. And just point out the more serious problems. You're welcome. Every, ever since we talked to Amos, we're just on the pun train. <laughs> when are we going to be finished with these puns? But um, tush. So anyways, you go through all of Novigrad. Dandelion ends up telling you Ceres and Skellige, which is Nordic island land. Also, you can kind of low-key flirt with Triss here, right? Yes. yes. I didn't because I'm so, in it for loyalty. Well, there is an underlying plot here of helping Triss... Escape with the other mages. Uh, right, escape with all the other mages that are being persecuted. And you have the opportunity. Can these mages not teleport like Yennefer can? Is that just one more way Yennefer is the best witch? Uh, that's a very good question because many of the mages can teleport, but I think they're... They, 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 these mages, in they're in hiding, but their their main goal is to help uh, as many people as possible. Yeah, but and they don't teleport like Nightcrawler. They like open a portal. Yeah, and that's something yeah. that they can't hold open like, forever. I'm like racking my mind to remember <laughs> why they don't teleport. They might not be as strong as Triss, maybe. One Any, of them is like in chains when you find that's her. That's fair. They just want to get them on a boat and send them on their way to happier, greener pastures. Oh, you, I also want to point out most of your quests in this city are with organized crime primarily Dijkstra. Yeah, who's like Russian mob. Yeah, he's like probably the single biggest player in the city. And one of the big, I think I should mention this because this will come up in a big way later. If you follow his quest line all the way to the end, it culminates in you deciding if you're going to help him assassinate Radovid, who is technically the king of Tamaria. Right. He's like the rightful king Oh, the right. bad guy. The but insane the, the rightful. Genocidal the genocidal king. rightful king of the north. Right. He's which crazy. He's genocidal, but he is an, an extremely good tactician, yes. which is why they keep on winning. It's, in fact, it's kind of implied that, like, unless Geralt intervenes, Radovid will win this war. 
And oh, actually, that is that is exactly what happens. Yeah. Now I think about it, and not so, just implied. And Dijkstra, the Russian mob boss, is in, in, inspiring Geralt to try and do something because he yeah. has the skills necessary to yeah change. This is such a classic fate. example of Geralt like constantly saying like I can't get involved, I can't get involved. All right, but maybe I should assassinate a king. And this is, by the way, another commonly cited like high point of the game questline because there are essentially like three factions interested in making this happen and all of them have their own thing that they're like vying for and if you follow this quest line you will basically choose who will become the next ruler of the north and none of them are very idealistic is that fair to say um your options are to kill radovid and do nothing which means dijkstra will you know, depending on what else happens in the ending, Dijkstra will take over. You can side with Amir through your friend Roche, who is made out to be a much nicer person than Dijkstra. But Roche basically says Tamiria will exist as a, a vassal state under Amir. And Amir is Ciri's Amir dad. is the southern invader and Ciri's dad. He's the one who's basically caused all of these problems in the north. So the ironic thing is that Roche is saying, we'll get our independence from Radovid through <laughs> Emir, who will just kind of leave us alone for a while. And Dijkstra is like, no, I have plans. I want to make stuff happen. Dijkstra has actually got like a pretty good head on his shoulders for making these things happen, which is why the game goes out of its way to show you that he is a huge asshole. Right. And he will kill like people and Whoever he do whatever to. he needs to do. Yeah. And the third option is just letting the king The stay. third option is a surprise <laughs> for later. Okay. So what happens after, you know, you help Triss uh, escape with the mages, you help Dandelion, you have the option to tell Triss, hey, don't go away with all the mages, stay here with me, and you can romance her that way. Or, and you know, not not important. You found out Ceres and Salaga, and you're going to travel there. So you take a boat over to Skellige. Skellige, I have to say, is probably my favorite. Same. Skellige is like exactly what I think a region of the Witcher should feel like. Well, you, you get a real sense of the culture there. Yes. Whereas when you walk across the other places, and I think that that's intentional in a way as well, yeah. because other places are war torn. by the war. And they don't really have An much identity. culture or yeah. identity. They're, and they're, they're, they're probably, trying to live. They're, they're probably like the, more familiar to Geralt as well. Yeah. So the well, idea of really experiencing culture and making that a prominent part of that wouldn't be as interesting for Geralt's character, whereas yes. maybe it emphasizes the unfamiliarity of that. Or maybe I would actually say it's maybe for the player. Yeah. I think that was the intention because bef- when this game came out, we didn't have uh, that one Team Ninja game about the lady who's experiencing... Sets of a Sacrifice? Senua's Sacrifice? Senua's Sacrifice? Hellblade or something? About. Yeah, Hellblade. We didn't have that, and we didn't have uh, God, God of, of War. War. So at the time, I think the player is being onboarded with this like classic like Norse like culture. But Geralt is actually very familiar with Skellige, as we are about to find out. He, right. Like Siri was partially like warded here too. She's kind of like yeah. She's a sister to yeah. all of these aspiring rulers of Skellige. Uh, yeah. So when you say you get like you see the culture. What's happening when you get to Skellige? So as you arrive, the king of Skellige, Krachankrait, I'm just going to say <laughs> it that way, uh, has... I re- checked my dictionary. That is exactly how you pronounce Krachankrait. it. 
Yeah, that's well, that's there right. We, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, I'm looking at the text to, or the speech to text. It spelled it out yeah. correctly. Yeah, Siri knew what it was. Uh, so, <laughs> well, I mean, not like Cirilla, but like my phone. We're Siri. gonna get lost in this. <laughs> Siri Great trip. metaphors. I um, love it. So, anyways, Croc on Crate, the King of Skellige has died, and you go to the funeral and learn that there, he has three kids that are all equally viable for the throne. Yeah. And while you are there, you can influence. Who takes the throne? Interesting note here. When you get there and they're they're watching the Viking funeral where he goes away on a boat and is burned, his I think his youngest wife sits on his boat and burns to death with yeah, him. She does. And the game makes a big deal about how his other wife should have done it. That was very interesting. Wow. Especially what you find out about her later. I'm now connecting these two facts in my head as we talk about this. Well, what do you do you want to tell us what you found out later or uh, yeah, we will. We'll, this election is about to happen, right? And on Croc, the, the current Jarl of this. So basically, the king who died is the king of all of the islands of Skellige. Right. Each island is, is ruled by its own Jarl. And the Jarl of the, the island that's like hosting the funeral is your friend. The on, he's like the ruler right. of the on Croc family. And one of his two kids is go, or both of his two kids are going to vie for leadership of the entire islands. And you volunteer to help them with these tasks that they're going to perform. Um, they're pretty cool quests, but let's, I guess we won't get too into yeah, it. We don't yet. need to get lost in the weeds. And um, you help them. And then there's a storyline with the election. And basically you pick, I'm not sure which action you take because you have a few, but whatever you basically pick who's going to be elected leader based on who you support. And this is one of the few moments in the game where I'm like, oh, there's a right answer here. I kind of felt that way too. Like they're both likable kids. One of them is a very hot-blooded, classic Viking hero guy, and you help him defeat a giant. And it's funny how their quests kind of reflect their leadership style. And he's like, you know, this giant killed my friends. I'm going over there. I don't care how many people are left when I get there. I'm fighting this giant one-on-one if I have to. And um, that's the son. The daughter, her quest is about getting an ally. She's trying to get another Jarl, like lift a curse from him so that he will help her out. She's more tactical, more diplomatic. She is not a true Viking. She's very un-Viking-like, and she's like a new voice for Skellige. And um, I supported her. Yeah. Because I liked her style. I think everybody supports her. <laughs> She's I, awesome. I do, I do think the game makes a very good case for her and seemingly goes out of its way to make the, her brother seem lovably dumb. I so, think, I mean, this is another example, just mini kudos to the game. It does a good job of making interesting and powerful female characters. I kind of, of agree with that. I mean, of, like, there's still, like, <laughs> Geralt's still banging his way around the well, country. Well, like, it's very, it's interesting because Ceres is the closest thing this game has to a female character who has a lot of agency mm. and successfully uses her power without your influence. Yes. And even though you technically pick her in the fiction of the game, even though your decision is literally what causes her to become elected, she is still democratically elected by the Jarls of Skellige yeah. to become powerful, and then she does a good job with her power. So I know we'll get into this game. later with the agency of characters and how that's a thing. But I think that not having agency, because the game is kind of critical of when the other female characters don't have agency, doesn't take away from how they're powerful female characters for me still. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like, yeah, they're dolls. Like, they should be 
it's like, hey, maybe they don't have agency and maybe that's a little messed up, mm-hmm. which I like. And speaking of powerful female characters, Yennefer is on the island of Skellige as Our well. girl. And here is the option to kind of romance her a little bit. You, you don't get to decide your ultimate oh, fate yeah. with her, but... You, you do have to bang her on a unicorn. Yeah, you do get to bang her on a unicorn. And I just yeah, have to not say... A, not a joke. On, on my second yeah. playthrough of the game... it's a reference to something. It's referenced in the in one of the books. Uh, but anyway, the thing I want to just throw out there is on my second playthrough no. of the game on Death March, you have to go to... <laughs> oh, I know what this is. You have to go to... If we get into glitches with this game... The, the, this will never end. No, I know, but it's just a funny glitch. <laughs> okay, okay, go ahead. You, 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 you know, you get the chance to romance her, and after that, you go back to the feast where you get to talk to some of the rulers. For some reason, my game didn't load Yennefer's clothes back onto her, so she just was walking through this feast like naked as a jaybird. <laughs> and did you it, think that was supposed to happen? No, because I'd already played through it at one point. Oh, that's right. Point. I had a weird one like that, but. I'll talk about when we get to it because I didn't know it was supposed to ha- not supposed to happen. And I was very confused about what was going on in the plot, but we'll talk about that later. But the, I, I like the feast though, because yeah. what happens there and I just want to touch on it because it does go into the culture a little bit. You go there with the Yennefer. She says, don't drink, don't get drunk. Oh, yeah. Don't do all these things. And you sit down with well, some what of does these. Geralt say though? He's I can't make any promises. I, he's like, oh, oh yeah, you get to pick. I told, I think I told her like, why would I drink? I have you. Although I didn't say I was gonna say that. It was just like, be cool. And then I was like, yeah, this seems like a nice option. And then Geralt just like professes like his eternal love. Like you cannot stop Geralt from flying off the handle about not flying off the handle, but like suddenly and very, very powerfully waxing poetic about just how in love he is with Yennefer <laughs> off of the most innocuous looking dialogue options. And I really, this is one of the things why I thought the culture was really readily apparent because you get there and sitting, you're sitting across from one of the potential new rulers Lugos, and he toasts you and he's like, let's drink, let's drink. And Geralt has the option to drink oh, or yeah, not drink. Yeah. And it's kind of in his character. Like, do I follow through on my That's promise true. to Yennefer or do I, Abide by the customs of the place I'm in. I follow my promise on that one. Oh, abide by the customs. I you don't make friends. <laughs> see, when I abided or when I abided by the customs, it's when Lugos was started the madman in the purple. He's one of the people like his son is trying to be the new king. And he's yelling at Yennefer. I don't remember why. It didn't matter. I punched his lights out. It was kind of <laughs> like Danny DeVito. Anyway, I'm blasting. <laughs> and then you get in a fist fight with him and then he like loves you after you beat him up in a fist fight and then he's like all right let's drink and at, at that point i was like you know what girl will be so hyped up on adrenaline and like feeling so good after putting this dude on his back i think he would drink so i broke my promise <laughs> i was like you know what sure i'll down it i later killed that guy though unfortunately wow <laughs> but you i just want to let everybody know that i shared a nice drink after you know yeah. A fist fight with him. So Skellige uh, continues with Yennefer. You and Yennefer go and find a spot where an explosion happened. And Yennefer uses her fancy sorceress yeah. magic to realize Siri was here. Some guy that was cursed was here. You follow like Sekiro-esque ghosts walking by you and talking. 
which I think is a mechanic that came up a little earlier too. You got to see ghosts and like try to piece together what happened in the past. Again, proving Yennefer best witch. Sorceress. Best sorceress. I'm not going to lie. I I have to make a confession. You know, like Yennefer, 10 out of 10, like definitely went with her. She was in my ending. Kind of picked her by default. (laughs) Because the first thing that happened when I met Triss uh, she asked me to go exterminate rats with her and then pick up a package <laughs> from a riverbed and then deliver it and then do a number of like mundane tasks. And I was like, Tris, you cannot live your own life. You just need me to do everything for you. I cannot handle this. That is true. That's why Tris feels, I think it's part of why and she's a mundane choice to me. In the stories. She can't swim. In the, st- <laughs> in the stories. Triss also is somewhat manipulative of Geralt while he is in his oh, amnesiatic state. I knew it. So <laughs> my gut told me something. I've never been a fan of Triss. <laughs> Yay, Yennefer. <laughs> Anyways. So you're investigating the, the crater caused by this explosion, and Ceres' imprint is there. Ceres' imprint is there, and that weird jester cursed monster thing as well, isn't it? Um, You will... You mean so the Bloody Barons? A clue yeah. you find there shows you that there was some mage who was there with her, and then that mage escapes with her, and then when you investigate where he went, some locals or something will tell you that they went off on a boat, Siri and the mage. The boat came back, and that weird cursed creature was on the boat. I'm not going to lie. My first instinct when they told me that in the game, I was like, well, that's Siri. So Siri is this cursed creature? I got to uncurse The her. characters all kind of like are preparing themselves for that possibility. I couldn't remember if it was in the game or not. Funny enough. And this is really messed up. If you go and look carefully at how the cursed creature is designed, it's wearing some things that look like what Siri wore. Interesting. So it's like intentionally there to kind of mislead you and make you like worry. Like, is this like, is fate playing a trick on me that she's got the same like wrist like band thing that well, I Siri was worried on. I was misled. I was sold. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but there's like a bunch of parts where Geralt is telling someone he needs to go find that cursed creature. And Geralt constantly has the option to say that might be Siri okay. and, and freak everyone out. Like, I don't know why he keeps telling people this. That he shouldn't tell why them. I thought that then. <laughs> yeah. Like that's an option. So that's on Geralt's mind. But yeah. Gerald's really taking this. He said, pretty... well, you know, in my case, I thought I was wondering that the first time someone said it. And then I kept like seeing it enough that I was like, all right, this game protests too much. It can't be Siri now. <laughs> so when you do find it, you yeah. have to uh, do a whole quest of finding things to uncurse it. Yeah. And at the end of that quest line, it turns out that this monster, weird Quasimodo looking thing is Avalach who is an elven sta- sage, has mentored Ciri in using her elder blood. He is a an elf from the kingdom where the wild hunt comes from. So from that dimension. So was he the mage that went out on the boat with Ciri? Yes. Okay. yes. So then, then does he tell you what happened to Ciri? He does not yet because he's so incapacitated, but he gives you a little light and he tells you, go to this island in Skellige and you'll find Ciri with this light. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I liked this. And everyone's immediately a little bit weirded out by the fact that Avalok is this elf because everyone knows that he's like from the Wild Hunt place. And so they're like, what was Siri doing hanging out with this guy? Why was he helping her escape the Wild Hunt? Also, they actually know him. Right. They have a past in in some stories and he was not a 
good guy. He, he was kind of, they were at odds for most of their previous relationship. Not because, he's not like a Radovid character. Instead, what he did is he tried to marry, I shouldn't say marry, he tried to get the Elven King to have a child with Siri. So he tried to force Siri Yikes. to get in bed with the Elven King to make a new Elder Blood baby. This is a capital Y, yikes. Yeah. But the Elven King is not connected to the Wild Hunt. The Elven mm-hmm. King originally was not connected to the Wild Hunt, but the person who deposed him but with poison then uh, turned the kingdom into like, oh, we're all on board that, the Wild Hunt was train. Was that Aridin? Yes. Okay. So then is this the kind of impetus for why they're all like, yeah, that's Siri girl. We would like her blood, please. Yeah, that's why they're after her. They want to have the elder yeah. blood Got it. and Everyone create a new elder no, blood. No, I meant, I meant specifically this elf turned Quasimodo. No, 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 no. no, no. no. Avalok okay. was training her for a very special purpose, and that was to... Well, he doesn't He doesn't tell you, because well, this is yeah. like a plot point that it's ambiguous what he wants at this point. Okay. But you are pretty sure but he, he wants n- something with that elder blood. And he is not the person that like brought it to the attention of the of the wild hunt i think she existed i think because remember because he tried to kind of give her to that elven king they were aware of her and then once the wild hunt started they were like we could use that elder blood so the king knew about siri before this guy brought siri to his attention i think so okay cool so you you go and find siri in this isle of mists and haze and it's very well hidden that nobody can actually find it unless you have that thing that Avalok gave you. And you meet the seven dwarves, which yeah. was probably the most mistimed side quest for me because <laughs> like we talk about how like there's a structure of like go to do a thing. Oh, you can't do that till you do this and so on. That the the dwarves were the last straw for Weird me. Weird narrative gatekeeping. Yeah, where I got there, and then there is a house, and the dwarves are like, "You can't come in, not by the hair of my chinny chin." Just mixing my fairy Wrong tails. Fairy tales. <laughs> How dare you? And they're the seven dwarves, <laughs> and I'm not kidding. And they're like, "We're not letting you in." And I picked all of the options as Geralt, where I'm like, "I'm gonna murder you if you don't open this door up," because I'm done with side quests. <laughs> I I looked for Siri and Velen. I went to the next check mark. I looked for Siri and Novigrad, and now I'm in Skellig, and you're opening this fucking door. Like, I'm, I'm tired. Yeah. I've gone there and back again. And how a did, witcher's tale. How did that go? <laughs> you have to then go. They tell you we're only opening this door. I don't know why Gerald listens to this. He's just such a softy. <laughs> They're like, go find our comrades who also got lost when we came into this island of mists, and they are the the seven dwarves. So one of them is sleepy. One of them is like happy. One of them is lucky or something. I don't remember. And um, I will admit. Lucky. So there's two. Everyone's yeah, favorite dwarf. Favorite dwarf, Lucky. <laughs> I let that go for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Lucky? No, unlucky. No, I don't remember. No, it's Doc. Is it Doc? I'm, it's no, not important. Go I think on. it's happy. Either way, I was so relieved when the first dwarf I came to find, he was like standing on a cliff. And I was like, hey, dwarf, I'm here to rescue you. And he's like, whoa, that's great. And then he falls off the cliff and dies. And I was like, good, check next to the, <laughs> go on to the next dwarf. And then that, that dwarf really made me bad because he's sleepy and he <laughs> is narcoleptic and he will just randomly fall asleep on the way back to the house. And you have to backtrack 
and wake him up. Yeah, should have just pushed you him just off keep a cliff doing that. and then come back and I, you don't know. You know, I played. Oh, did you guys know how many cliffs there Lindsay, were? Lindsay, if it were me and not Geralt, <laughs> if I had created my own character, I would have transitioned to evil at that point in the game. You know, Dwarf I'm just aside. gonna say I've played through this game twice and I totally forgot that this was a thing. <laughs> I, I just thought, I'm very fresh on this. I, I, I These remember like haven't healed. I just remember going there, opening the door, having that dramatic cutscene, the cinematic. Oh my god! Like, yeah, <laughs> such a silly thing. And and Siri is looks to be dead on that. On yes. The, yeah. On, so this on, is after you've resolved the seven dwarfs the quest. Seven dwarfs. Goose and chase. I want to point out, up until this point, Geralt often tells people, "I don't have emotions." I like can't feel things. It's not really true. It's more like he can control his emotions, but that's like what he tells people so that they don't like, they don't get like weirded out by how neutral he keeps himself all the time. But this is the part of the game where Geralt just loses it. Like he breaks down, he's sobbing. And you know, I was like pretty upset one because I sympathize with Geralt two because I did all this fucking work and I fucking found the dwarves. And then you tell me Siri's dead. Yeah, you open the cabin door. I'm and going. Just... I'm going back for those other dwarves. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna murder them all. No, but, but this was a tough point of the game. Yeah, it was really, really just emotional. And then, you know, he's on the bed crying, and that light that Avalok like, gives him. How on earth was I too late? <laughs> this is this is one of those places where the Witcher, and this has kind of happened at multiple points in the game. You'll notice this is that it'll take a gritty backdrop and it'll put like a little happy fairy tale story in there once in a while like there's a lot of like little bits of whimsy like when i say whimsy i mean like fairy tale whimsy like yeah the like cute little goblin lost his voice help him get his voice back and stuff like that like which i love when that happens and this is that moment where like it's like beauty and the beast and like the light touches the dead person's face it's not a tear but Close enough. I'm like offended by your lack of familiarity with I'd, I'd, It's not a tear, but it's, come on. It's, it's not, not her tear. That it's not a tear. What it's is the it? rose. The rose petal? <laughs> Stop. Kidding. No, you guys suck. It's true it's love. Not, she says she loves him. That's what saves yeah. him? Yes. Oh, that's a worse movie than I remember. I, we're going to have. <laughs> we're going to have a fight worse than the one Gail Wait, got so into. There's got to be. drink more beer. There's definitely a store, a store, a fairy tale where someone's tears. Yeah. You know what you're thinking Oh my of? God, Pokemon. The Pokemon movie. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, in my head, the Pokemon movie is like a classic. I thought you were thinking of Tangled. No, um, Frozen. Okay. Oh, Frozen. It's not Frozen the movie. It's Frozen. The Ice Witch. Although I think the, maybe it does the, still in the, the movie. The Snow Queen. Yes, the snow, the fairy tale that Frozen is based on. Brief tangent: the devil has a mirror and it reveals all the terrible things, and then it shatters and it splinters and gets in someone's eye, and eventually someone cries, and that fixes that. Is that really the only fairy tale where that happens? I mean, I'm sure there are others. Oh, 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 Peter Pan, you have to clap or something. Yeah. That's different than crying. Peter Pan back. It's Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell back. Yep. But I yeah. like that Peter Pan is just <laughs> dead in Chris's version. For some reason, my head Tinkerbell saves Peter Pan. I don't know why. How progressive of you. Yeah, clearly. So it turns out that <laughs> Siri was put in this dead like state to keep her location hidden from the wild hunt. Like a sleeping death. That's Snow White. I know, and we've had the seven. I don't know. Wars. We need. It's, we need clarification. Yeah, like a tear brings her back, like in Snow White. I'm just kidding. I'm just gonna let you have that one. All right. So, 
you Christmas now Disney Plus. you get this, this <laughs> next portion of the game. You go back to Caremorn, which is the Witcher's stronghold. And you have Siri. You're bringing Siri. Is Siri still asleep? What's her situation? Well, she's awake. She's you woke her up in the cabin by crying with the tear, yeah. the magic Pikachu tear. And no, it's not a Pikachu tear. It's just the Avalok. You guys light. need to. So Siri's actually like awake when you find her, and you guys kind of catch up on the way back. And you even ask her like. What all happened? Where did you go? I love this part. And one of the stories she tells you I want to mention because it comes up later is that in Skellige, she gets rescued from drowning by this guy named Skell, just like a kid. This like uh, kind of portly, portly loserish kind of kid. I feel bad. He's kind of like he's almost like the friend Sam Sam from uh, Samwise Samwise Thrones. Yeah. Or, or like Samuel Tarley, Samwise Gamgee. Samuel Tarley. Like the same kind of Sam. That isn't the first time you've thought that, is yes. it? Yes, it is. That's blowing my yeah. mind. Yeah, he's Sam. Yeah. Is that intentional? Yeah. There's no way that's not intentional. Okay. It's very hard to, you know, maybe <laughs> like, it wasn't, but it's a coincidence of. I like one of those Sams much better than the other. So. I don't know which one. Well, also, while she's saying that Skell oh, saved yeah. her. Oh, yeah. He saves her, and like, there's like this whole little, like, kind of funny and like heartwarming scene where like she just gets to relax in a sauna and have like a nice sauna break and guys i really wanted to go to a sauna it doesn't take much um she's talking to the family of this guy and they're like hey this our like son slash my brother he's a coward and i hate him kind of like (laughs) a loser he's such such a good kid not a lot going for him but what do you think do you like him he's a total sam and uh, they kind of <laughs> like try to like set you up with him. And I told them like, you know, he's funny. <laughs> and, and they're um, like, that's what we thought. <laughs> and then you leave and you meet him. And then he's like flustered with you. And he's like, I'll take you to the place you're trying to get to. Cause she's going to rendezvous with her mage friend. And he says something about you. Like you reveal that his sister told you he liked you. And then you get to choose to be like, I can just teach you some things real quick. Like, I'm a lesbian, probably, but no, like, you know what? You have the choice to say, like, to give him a kiss or to turn him down in a variety of ways. No, you're going to have sex with him. I'm not kidding. Like, I don't remember this. I know that is not. He's, he, she says, uh, we don't, like, he said, like, you're probably in a hurry. And she says, she starts, like, taking off her equipment and she says, I got enough time to like teach you a few things. No. Okay, that here's is how not I would happening. interpret it. Guys, I will stop. show this to here's you. Here's how I would interpret it. Uh-huh. That she's going to teach him some fighting moves. Yeah. That's what I interpret. Guys, she takes off her sword cuz she's going to We got to stop because this is this is this how do you not remember this? This blew my mind. All right. So, we just stopped and rewatched that scene and <laughs> Hashtag Chris was right. Oh, boy. Yeah, but I don't like that I'm right now that yeah. I've watched it again. And it's not a good scene. And I, I, I missed it. did I'm, not pick that dialogue choice. I missed it both times of my, both playthroughs. This is, this is like and a I'm happy, secret route. <laughs> and I'm so happy I missed Siri pretty much saying, I'm going to bag that dick. Yeah, she like beat for beat. Like she kisses him and then he's like, you probably have to go. She's like, not as badly as I need to teach you the ropes, slatty. So to give you, to paint you a picture... I just let everybody forget about this. Forget about this. Forget about this. Siri's a cool character. Forget about all of this. Like like a neck beard. (laughs) It's not. He's never been kissed. Like the movie never been kissed. Haven't seen it, but yes. Um, He's like very like flustered. And then she gives him his first kiss. And then she says, I'm not in that much of a hurry. 
I'll teach you where babies come from. <laughs> and then immediately they get interrupted by the, the horn of the wild hunt, which is why Siri ran away. And uh, let's like take a quick second to unpack that because the first time I re- saw it, I was like, you know, I guess Siri is like very sex positive and she, it doesn't really matter to her that much. Cause I think it's implied later. She's more into women and you get that option to say that too. So it's like to Siri, this must just be like, fun like this isn't like a romance but it does feel like some kind of wish fulfillment i think thing that here. that's like especially because you pick it for her yeah the they're player. like there's some player out there that identifies with this dude this neckbeard guy and i bet those who's players, a hero oh my god who's a yes. hero but society doesn't know it yes He's a hero, but society doesn't know it. He's awkward with women. Society thinks he's a coward, but he's actually a hero. And the, oh, I feel like man. the devs were like, I bet these guys have been playing this game wishing they could bang Siri. Do you, are you imagining like that guy, like, like it zooms out of the, the, like the computer, like word processor. And he's the one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I need that. So, so I, th- I thought this like the, the second half of the story is so cool that, I kind of wish we hadn't looked at that again. But anyway. But anyways, Siri tells you about Skull and how he saved him and then how eventually society viewed him well, as... Well, she doesn't know that. She doesn't know that. You but know, this is like a little bit of dramatic or irony. dramatic irony. Siri doesn't know this, but Geralt actually went and looked for this guy to like get clues. And then you and Yennefer find his corpse like freshly like killed by a werewolf because he went to fight a werewolf to prove he wasn't a craven. His village turned on him because he rescued Siri by riding her out of the town on horseback. And so the town thought, oh, he turned he- or turned heel and ran when he was saving them. So you find his corpse, died trying to fight a werewolf. Yennefer, mm-hmm. like, forcefully casts, uh, you know, level three spell, speak with dead, and makes him talk to them and tell him what happened. Yennefer's so cool. Yeah, this is like a very D and D moment. So many campaigns ruined by someone being like, "I can't speak with I'm dead." I speak with dead with all of the people here. <laughs> and anyway, uh, you kind of learn his story, and then you realize like, oh, he got fucked for doing this. Yeah, not, society. Not he, was, way. he was just in the wrong place. Just does it. He's Leave just in it. the wrong place. <laughs> <The> society. <laughs> so anyway, but, that's that story with him. And so you know, that's one of the stories Siri tells you about. One of the things I also thought was really interesting while she was talking to you on the way back to Caramorn is Avalok and her were traveling. They were dimension hopping. They were time traveling. They were going all over the place to master her powers. She saw things that she couldn't, she couldn't even explain to Geralt because of how far fetched they would be here. And she goes off to describe essentially cyberpunk 2077 where people are made of machines and metal and flying cars and this and, and that. Yeah. Each person had their own flying ship. And Geralt's like, this is stupid. She's what like, what are you talking about? And there was one starting class that was corporate. Was <laughs> one starting class that was a nomad. And if you pre-ordered it, you got a free laser gun as a DLC. And I saw Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and Geralt's he like, had a metal arm. Geralt's like, I, you stop speaking nonsense. Like, actually, you're gonna say Keanu oh. Reeves had a time traveling box that could communicate with people. <laughs> like, that's what how he this? got there. Can I point out something very interesting about this that is just so glossed over by the game? Siri isn't there for like an hour. She's not there for like a day. Siri is there for six months. Yeah. Siri is on like a, an exchange program. <laughs> in the future she's like yeah well people come out like learning whole languages in that time i would have stayed so one of the she didn't want to leave one of the things about 
this world, though, and the mythos behind it is that there are spheres of existence, and this world that we're in right now for The Witcher became populated by humans during something called the conjunction of spheres, and that's when two or three different dimensions overlapped, and things from one dimension yeah. slipped into another. Which is why some species exist in multiple dimensions, like elves. Right. And humans fell into here and started just, you know, doing what humans do best, and that's Populate. making war, populating, and wiping things out. Almost implies that, like, a lot of the creatures that you encounter, they might be the real, like, right. well, people most, of this world. Most of everything else are the natural inhabitants of this world. Gotcha. So, so humans Siri, are a lot like elves. And so what Siri is doing here and her ability to hop between dimensions is just kind of traveling between these spheres of existence which people yeah which oh, every worth, once in a while which every once in a while overlap and cause things to pop in and out yeah i'm glad you saw fit to bring that up because that is a really important element of this world that will come up and um i just think i also want to go on record and say you know like she well, she was there for six months loved it didn't want to leave but then the wild hunt came and she had to leave. And let me tell you, I don't I don't like the wild hunt's odds no. in twenty seventy seven. Oh my god. I think like what's this guy's name again? Arid Aridin. Aridin. I think he comes off on his like skeleton horse. He does some ice magic. I think he gets run over by a car. Yes. I don't I don't think they I would they have can stayed in it. Cyberpunk World. <laughs> I'm jealous. I think a street I've been samurai. For years to get Cyberpunk 2077, and Siri was there, and she left. I, I mean, we're, we're sure she's going to be in the game, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> I feel like... I, if, if CD Projekt Red does not put Siri in Cyberpunk 2077, even as just an Easter egg... I'm going on a hunger strike. I... <laughs> until, they, <laughs> until they put her in. Catch it. No, but... They read a news article. They're like... <laughs> One man in the United States <laughs> dies. It's just like a hunger yeah, strike in four days. Obituaries. It's not even like a news story. <laughs> so, anyways, you you you, uh, you and Siri get back to Caremorn, which and what is, is Caremorn? That's the Witcher's stronghold. It's where all the Witchers were originally made. Because uh, Vesemir, an older Witcher friend of yours, was I'm part call of him Grandpa Witcher. Yes. Anyways, Vesemir. Uh, Part of what how witches were made was they would take children, they'd either buy them, they'd take orphans, they would much like the lodge. Yeah, like we're, we're kind of describing a parallel process here between Caremore and witchers and the lodges. The lodge is mainly for women, and the witchers mainly for men. I'm not. Well, I'm painting well, with broad strokes. Yes, but. but there is also a male version of the lodge where they are at all another parallel to the lodge. Right. So it's they take in kids and then they train them and then they inject mutagens in them, which if they survive, great, you're a witcher now. If they don't, well, you know, yeah, too bad. Nobody really cared about you they're, in the world anyway. To be fair, they're pretty sure that they'll work. Pretty, pretty sure. <laughs> they're like, pretty, like they pick these kids because they think it'll work on them. I think it's implied that many. No, I know. I know. Okay. I'm kidding. <laughs> So, Caremorn is the stronghold of the Witchers. There's like five Witchers left in the world right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, your buddy Vesemir, your buddy Eskel, your buddy, I can't remember Wait, his name. For real? I thought those were just the ones from Caremorn. Well, there's, there's, Witchers are a dying breed mm -hmm. because they're taking on monsters, but they're not making more Witchers. Yeah. So, Witchers will go and fight monsters and then they might die. And if they die, there's no more, there's one less Witcher in the world forever because Witchers 
uh, are sterile. They don't. Or yeah. They don't. Oh, that's right. And they they also discuss how like Vesemir try like they thought he put away all the equipment that you would use to forcefully treat people with the mutagens. Mm-hmm. And and the thing about that is that's important is you know witchers can't reproduce, sorceresses can't reproduce. Their entire like becoming a witcher or sorceress it, part of that is giving up your ability to have children or progeny or, or a you know a bloodline. Now, can we take a second? to talk about what happens at Kaer Morin before we get to like, you know, like what, like Geralt knows that when he finds Ciri, the wild hunt will invade very soon after and all their allies will come to Kaer Morin to help you repel the wild hunt. But before that we get like a little retreat in the middle of the game, 75% of the way through the game <laughs> where, you know, the witchers of Kaer Morin just kind of like have a chance to catch up talk about what it's like to be a witcher, talk about shared trauma of like the witchering making process. You get to hang out with Siri, you have like a little snowball fight. Yeah. You hang out with Yennefer. She shows up and she's awesome. And I personally feel like we have to mention the scene where the the witchers have one night where they get to drink (laughs) as much as they want. Yeah. And for some reason, they decide that they're going to use a distance speaking, like magic mirror type thing, like communicator to quote call the bitches because <laughs> they want they think that the the if they call like sorceresses from the lodge they're very drunk the they will bring all of their friends to Care Morin and have sex with them yeah. I guess I don't know they barely make it oh also they put on Yennefer's clothes to do it because they think that will trick them into thinking that, that they are sorceresses or Yennefer I, <laughs> and I picked the dialogue option that said Askel. You're a genius. <laughs> <laughs> I can say with perhaps gratitude, I've certainly never been that drunk. Did you pick that? Uh, did you like do this quest line? Because it's not required. I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember them being in Yennefer's clothing. Oh, well, oh you yeah. do it. It's a funny scene. Yeah. You, for some reason, they each wear one piece of her clothing. <laughs> yeah. And Eskel is chosen as the most feminine one to wear the top and appear in front I love of it. the screen. I'll have to watch that scene after we record. Geralt only wears her pants. And I think Geralt is smart enough to know this isn't going to work. So I think Geralt just likes wearing Yennefer's pants. Geralt's into a lot of weird things, <laughs> as, as you I think learn from his he's much more romantic more endeavors. than we know. I think Geralt just wants to be in Yennefer's pants as often as he can. Hey, yo. Oh my god, what if he's... Yeah, I never thought about that interpretation. He misses Yennefer so much that when she goes to bed, he's like... I gotta hold her pants. That's not what I meant. I, mine was a. But sex that's what joke. literally happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, and this is a refreshing moment too, because you finally get to see Geralt with his guard down, with other people like with him. The boys. Well, it's with the boys. it's not just the boys. It's his family. It's it's people that understand him as you were saying, like his shared trauma, his shared experiences, shared history. They have a culture which is feared and loathed by the rest of the world and here in Kaer Morin when it's just a bunch of them he can finally be himself yeah. and he lets down a lot of barriers he lets himself emote he lets himself just be they they play Never Have I Ever which I really like <laughs> you get to fun- choose if Geralt had done any of those things it's fun I I picked the one that he had slept with a succubus and yes. I think fought a vampire yes. or something and I think what was the other thing Oh, the other thing I thought was so cool about that sequence is they make it so clear 
that none of their personalities mesh. Like if they were not witches, yeah. none of them would ever talk to each other ever. And they are clearly like in conflict with each other all the time. They barely tolerate each other. But they know because they know that nobody else in the whole world can understand what it's like to be them. And for that, no matter how much of a dick Lambert is to Eskel, Eskel will always treasure that relationship with Lambert. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's very cool. And Lambert actually does like kind of confide in you a little bit about his witch request when he had to go to an island with a big hungry giant. I don't know. I was about to call him a cannibal, a human eating giant. And that giant uh, apparently like traumatized him as a kid and they never killed him. Like, that's the scary thing. You have to go through this cave again. And Lambert's like, yeah, you know, old Speartooth, he's actually still there. <laughs> and uh, this is like one of the defining moments that like haunts me at night to this day is like seeing him kill my like fellow test takers. And like you guys just kind of be like, you just kind of say like, yeah, that I believe it. Let's go kill Speartooth. <laughs> Because you have to do it to get to, like, this lake you have to go to. So this is all in preparation for, you know, the wild hunt will come for Siri, And it's, I would say, maybe your last breath of air, your last time to catch your breath in the game. So before it's yeah. like, time to wrap things up. The calm before yeah, the storm. you will fail a lot of quests if you continue from here without doing them. You can prepare. You can gather your troops. You can gather your friends from all over to come and fight for you. And then the Wild Hunt arrives, and they are sieging the castle, and you have to fight and keep the gates closed, and then they'll yeah. break through the gates, and you keep on Can't fighting. Can't let them get to Siri. You don't you want get to play as Siri a little bit in this, which is always yes. the best part because of the game. Because the whole mission here is to protect Siri from the Wild Hunt, but Siri is like, I'm tired of everyone telling me what to do. I'm tired of everyone telling me like where to be, and I'm tired of just being like a MacGuffin, basically, which she has been for the whole game. Yeah. So she jumps out and just starts fighting the wild hunt herself, which unfortunately leads to a showdown with Arid. I think actually it's not Aridin. It's one of his generals and the general uh, is fighting her and he takes Vesemir as a hostage. And in order to stop Siri from giving herself up to the hunt, Vesemir sacrifices himself and says, go ahead and kill me so that, or he, he kind of puts up enough of a fight that they have to kill him so that Siri doesn't give herself up to the hunt. And Siri goes Super, super Saiyan. Saiyan. Yeah. yeah. She actually what she goes Super Saiyan at a different point. Here she does a banshee cry. Yeah. And like head explodes a bunch yes. of people. Yeah. Um luckily only the right ones. Again, <laughs> right. playing fast and loose with what exactly her powers are, but it works in the game. Yeah. And so after the battle, you all, you have a funeral for Vesemir. You kind of reflect on like, you know, Karamoran is not their home anymore. Like they want to leave. Eskel says, this is the end of this place for me. Vesemir was the one thing tying me to it. Uh, it's kind of like a bittersweet moment too, where the witches realize like they can't keep their whole life connected to this place that has brought them so much hardship and trauma. Like at some point, even though they love Vesemir, it was really just their connection to him that made this place tolerable. And now they, they kind of just need to get away. Yeah. They need to find a new home and move on with their lives and maybe find their own meaning. Which is an important moment for Geralt and what this game I think is trying to do for Geralt's arc overall too. Mm -hmm. Like having Geralt try to leave behind the life that he's used to. Yeah, that he's ready to seek maybe some kind of peace, settled life. You know, I didn't think about that, but that's true. This is probably the first hint to Geralt that like, hey, the other witchers are ready to go. Like they know that this isn't like their home anymore. And Geralt 
most of his options are like either yeah i get it i understand or like but you know you know this is still home right like, this is still home <laughs> gerald hasn't like made that jump just yet yeah but he's getting there he's getting there for sure this is like kind of incepting him with that idea and so the next step here is uh this is actually all happens very fast but you all decide okay that didn't work we're gonna call the wild hunt again but this time we'll gather the witches of the lodge and then we'll all attack them in a circle at the same time and defeat the wild hunt once and for all and in uh, very crucially, in order to defeat the Wild Hunt, they realize, hey, we need only the king and his personal guard to come to Earth, or this world, and none of the other people from his kingdom can support him. So Avalok takes Geralt on a very important trip. To Tirnalia. I think that's what that... Is it Tirnalia? Is where the elves are? It's, yeah, the, the plane where the elves are. And Avalok is trying to get you to Tirnalia, which is the correct plane of the elves okay. and the wild hunt. And he takes you on a journey of opening rifts in dimensions and hopping yeah. through them. Kind of like Seer, you're dimension hopping. And then you go to a crab world where there's just like... <laughs> like A desert. A yeah, desert, desert island world. where crabs and insects come out of the earth. You go yes. to a frozen world, which has like been reclaimed by the white frost. It's interesting because... Because the desert world used to be a vast ocean and he reveals to you you're not you're actually on in a ocean bed you are standing at the bottom of an ocean right now that's where this world has come and then he takes you to that white frost world and he says yeah you'll just die by walking outside it's that cold by the way every <laughs> world including that desert planet we just came from is going to turn into this world and that is the inevitable fate of all worlds that will ever exist. And you kind of figure out by snooping around that Avalok has spent his whole life, like, confirming this. Like, Avalok has spent his life doing two things. One, tracking the entire bloodline that led to Ciri, because he wants to know every single person who has that blood for a reason he hasn't revealed yet. And two, he's been researching this white frost thing to confirm that, yes, this is actually what's going to happen to every world. I like the idea that he takes you to the white frost plane and is like, yeah, here's some facts about it. Super cold, like really miserably cold. If you go out there, you'll just die immediately. Also, while we're on that note, uh, this is what every world is going to be like. Which is a hint. He's doing that on purpose. He's trying to put that in the back of your mind. And he, yeah. like, he, <laughs> that would be in the front of my mind. He's very manipulative because he, he tells you that like, you know, we're, we're going to go to different worlds. Who knows where we'll end up? Random places. Oh, look, we're in a white <laughs> frost world. Yes. Wouldn't it suck to end up like this world? Well, that's the fate of all worlds. You know, the heat death of the universe is something I'm going to enlighten you on right now. <laughs> yeah. And it's actually a personified being that is trying to kill everything. So, yeah, he shows that to you. And then your final destination with Avalok in your preparations is to... Uh, go and find the second in command of the elves, uh, the elves of the dimension the Wild Hunt came from. Because remember, the Wild Hunt is like the army of this dimension of elves. And convince the leader that the current leader of the Wild Hunt and the king murdered the old king. So he promises you, once you show him evidence, he says, okay, when the Wild Hunt comes to your world, we're not sending our people to support him. It'll just be the king and his people, like his like personal guard. Yep. So that gives you a chance to overthrow yes. Aradin and his goons. Two, two other things happen before you finally confront Aradin, and these are important. One I think we need to talk about is 
uh, Yennefer. Yes, Yennefer has a final request for you because she doesn't know if she's going to survive the final battle and she needs closure on something. Which is my favorite storyline. So well, this whole this, this whole this whole game is my favorite storyline. <laughs> and, and this is a thing you'll see in the show if you watch it. Um, at some point in the in the yeah in like the, years and years ago, in the so canon Gar- of the universe, Geralt and Yennefer, mm-hmm. as you can imply from this game, have known each other for a very long time. And in the distant past, Geralt became uh, in came into the possession of a djinn, uh, which is like a genie, a yeah. wish granting being. Well, Yennefer was trying to control a djinn. Well, and everyone was about to die from it, and then Geralt so, yeah, saved her from it. Geralt had the gin, and then it went ran off, and he, Yennefer tried to control it and take the wish, and the gin didn't like that. Big thing. Long story short, Yennefer abused a gin. The gin was going to kill Geralt, and the gin had to obey Geralt. And Geralt, no, the the gin was going to kill Yennefer. What I, I'm sorry, the gin I mean, was going to kill Yennefer. The, the Ger- crux is to save her life. He, Geralt had to make a wish. Uh, yeah, and he wished for something nondescript in the show, in the books. You don't know what he wished for, but it essentially bound their fates together forever. And Yennefer confirms this in this quest line, saying, "You know, I don't know." I, I like you. I, I feel feelings towards you. Our paths keep on crossing with one another. And I don't know if this is something that I actually feel or if this is just the Jin's mischief again. And do I, am I actually an eight? Do I have any agency in <laughs> they, this world? They say the Jin's mischief, but like the subtext is, I don't know if I'm a prisoner of your wish. Right. Yes. But you wish that we could be boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> well, not necessarily boyfriend or girlfriend, but it's. Yeah. But well, in the game, uh, Geralt does reveal what the wish was, right? So that their fates would be bound no, together. No, bind us together, or bind not us their to- fates. It's much more like direct, like, there's a reason why Yennefer is afraid her love is like a product of the wish. Right. Yeah. No, I think it works well because it doesn't make Geralt seem like he was just wishing, yeah, I wish this hot lady was into me. But it also is enough where Yennefer's like, okay, how much of my feelings are real? And I think the game shows Geralt feels a little bit of that too. And I think the difference is Yennefer is so scared of it. She doesn't want to feel those feelings at all. Whereas Geralt kind of likes those feelings and doesn't want to question it as much. But Mm -hmm. he's, I mean, depending on your answers, he's willing to face that for Yennefer. Can we talk about the fact that like, so all of these dialogue choices, you know, Whatever you do, you you can't like be not Geralt. You can be some yes. extreme of Geralt, but they all reflect something Geralt could plausibly say, or that's the intention. There's a couple lines <laughs> in this game we won't go into that are just out there. Probably different writer or something. Yeah, like I think there's some miscommunication. The, one of the choices here is Geralt can be like, well, what if I don't want to? Because this is an optional quest. Geralt can just be like, no, I like it this way. And walk away from that. Yeah. And I, this is one of the situations where I kind of felt like, based on the, the text of the game, what we learn about Geralt, what we learn about his respect for Yennefer and like his respect for like the agency of his daughter, for example, that I don't think Geralt would make that choice not but to help her. Remember, the, the respect of agency for Siri is also a dialogue options. You don't have to give her as much agency as you do. Mm. Well, you do. Some of them you do, but some of them Geralt will pick no matter what to continue the dialogue. But there are really important options where you choose to do things for Siri and be more controlling and protective, and that Mm -hmm. changes the ending of the game. Right. Yeah. And so 
for example, we'll get to that in a second. We'll finish up the Yennefer storyline first. But Yennefer wants to find a djinn with one wish left so that she can unwish Geralt's wish. Because mm-hmm. the only way to get rid of a genie wish is with a different genie's wish. And that math works out. Geralt, you know, if you choose to follow through on this, Geralt and her and Yennefer travel and search for it, and they end up finding the djinn. They fight and subdue it, and Yennefer wishes for it to all go away. Yeah. And you and she's like, wow, you know, I thought that when this happened, I'd feel different in some way, anyway, whatsoever, but I don't. I feel exactly the same. And Carol's like, well, I think the djinn might have cheated us. <laughs> She's like, why? He's like, because I feel the same way, <laughs> too. I love you, Yen. You know, oh, I, I think just this such is a, a happy scene. ending. <laughs> it's just such a good scene. That, they, that they're, they're worried that, like, their love is an illusion, and it's not. But I also, I still think that there is a dark subtext to this, which is that, let's say that the wish was actually to bind their fates together. The effect of that was that they are kind of forced to share this trauma for like their whole lives and like constantly be walking on this rickety bridge together, elevating their heart rate and like kind of getting closer through what doing trauma? That. all of their adventures together. It's like scary shit that they're constantly going through because I, their fates are bound. I look at it. I don't romant- see it that way. I look at it romantically in that mm-hmm. their fates were probably already bound together even before the the gen that mm-hmm. they're meant to be together and that that was just one of many adventures that they were kind of bound to have because they're meant to be together. Maybe it was a hat on a hat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Cause then does that mean that the gins wish never did anything? Who knows that know. neither is gin. I think in this no, world, I think the gins wish, wish made it more literal. Yeah. But like, I think from a romantic lens, that they would never even oh, have been like the in that. Like, eh, easy. Well, I think they would never have been in that situation if they weren't like meant for each other is kind of what I think. Hmm. I do think that you can read it in a way that like if you go on an adventure with someone long enough, like you become close, kind of like how the witchers are all close yeah. to each other. Mm-hmm. And like by binding your fate, it was inevitable that like you would fall in love. Yeah, that- but that's the same as saying like, all right, you're on this team with someone and you go through all these things. Yeah. Well, I think that's just... I think Geralt's like, put me on the same baseball team. Oh, put yeah, me on yeah. the same softball team. No, I don't team. think that makes it any less real or romantic. No, no, no it doesn't though. make it less real. I think real. that's just how romance works sometimes. It's not real. It's more that I think it's kind of funny to me because I didn't think... I think what it means is that like the game is showing you a question of when he made that wish, did the djinn think it meant make sure they fall in love? Or did he think it meant make sure that they will definitely cross paths over and over? And I think the way I'm interpreting it as that's essentially the same thing for them. Like if they keep crossing paths, they will end up together somehow. Yeah. But also, man, there are people I've inevitably continued crossing paths with and I hate them more and more every time I'm forced to be in a room with them. So I think that can go a lot of different ways. So back to, uh, this was just such a cool story, and it's really well done. The voice acting is perfect. It's mm-hmm. just chef kiss. But one of the decisions that you're talking about that do drastically affect the game are one where 
right around this point in the game, you have the option to tell Siri to go talk to her father, or you can say, or you can listen to Siri and say like, oh, she doesn't want to go talk to her father, so I'm not going to force her to go talk to her father. Mm -hmm. And, you know. This is part of like Siri's set of like, let's take care of things before it's right. over. And as we said at the beginning, her father, Emir Van Emerus or whatever, however you say his last name, says, bring my daughter back to me. And you have her now. So now you all you have to do is bring her back. Are you going to follow through on that contract? Mm -hmm. And your choice here on whether or not to let her go or go to her father or go and do whatever she wants drastically changes yeah. the rest of the story. You also take her to like her old friends. She kind of like goes and pays her like her gratitude to them. You give that guy who helped her like a proper burial when she finds out what happened to him. And then we end up fighting the crones again. Yes. You go, she's, because one of the things she wants to give payback for is the fact that the crones tried to eat her, basically. I would want the same thing. Yeah. So one of the things that happens is you go back to, actually, it's not because you were trying to fight the crones. It's because you want to get rid of one of the generals. Right. And one of the, the generals hunt. of the wild hunt and He's visiting the crones. And it is a pretty slick fight. You know, Siri ends up distracting the crones. Geralt fights the wild hunt member. And in my first playthrough, I didn't max out any, I didn't do anything with the fire yeah. rune. But this is, yeah. This is the first time I used it too. And mm -hmm. Then in, have, the like, cut scene, in the cutscene, well, I mean, pretty much you have to use fire to sometimes melt the armor. Oh, you're thinking about the final boss. In actually. the final cutscene of this fight with the general, oh, yeah, Carol yeah, 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 yeah. uses the most upgraded form of his fire thing, which is yeah. just a flamethrower out of his hands. And I was like, whoa, how come I can't do that all the time? <laughs> so Did that was a fire surge, I guess. I didn't use a lot of Igni. It's worth it. Predictably, I used the most of that. <laughs> I used I used Axie so I could because you could mind control enemies and pl like play through quests before you're supposed to because again this game really doesn't want you to go anywhere you're not supposed to be or you will just like be out leveled because the the power progression system in this game this is kind of the point where I started to become acutely aware of the fact that I was cutting through wild hunt people like butter like I was so incredibly powerful now I wasn't sure if like I was more like Geralt from the book or if I had like completely left the realm of like what a Witcher story is supposed to because feel like. Because this was so different for you mechanically from the beginning of Exactly. Game. And it's a weird thing where like it's kind of a similar problem to God of War where so much of this game your motivations for doing things is not really because it helps you find Siri. Not even like I'm not even talking about how someone will be like do this before you before I help you. I mean there will be times when I'll be done in Velen. There was a part where I'm like, okay, I'm done in Velen. I need to go to Novigrad. But anything in Novigrad, if they sneeze, they will kill me, even though I'm stronger than everyone in Velen. So now I need to go and do a bunch of quests to grind out levels so that Geralt can be strong enough to go to Novigrad. Right. So like a huge part of your motivation in this game, and I'm, I'm sure it depends partially on like what difficulty you play on and everything, is trying to get higher levels so you can have better numbers so you can defeat stronger enemies. And I felt like that was such a weird choice for this game because Geralt's at the end of his career. He starts the game at level one. You go all the way up to level 30 and it ends up feeling like random bandits on the road are more powerful than the wild hunt. Either that yeah. or like the journey is really about Geralt becoming strong enough to fight the wild hunt 
but I never got that impression. Yeah. Maybe one way to interpret it and how I interpret it, mm-hmm. this was Geralt and the rest of the Witchers are kind of a product of a bygone age. They, they're kind of not as useful as they once were. They're not flexing their monster hunting muscles in the same way that they once were. So he's, you know, on the edge of retirement. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. He's getting older. The world doesn't need him as much. And so maybe he's a little out of practice from the beginning of the game. And he's kind of flexing into it. I know that that doesn't really make up for the fact that he can lose in a fist fight to like a normal person. Or or like why everyone on Skellige is stronger than everyone in Velen. Or like why everyone in Novigrad, like random foot soldiers in in Novigrad at the end of the game are stronger than like the wild hunt dude you fight in Velen. It's like so clearly like a meta element. Because remember, you fight a wild hunt guy in Velen. He like shows up early. And well, you have Kira Metz to like help you. Have you have another but, like, sorceress. The game is still showing you like how much damage do you do and like how much defense does he have. That's fair. So it's it's like one of the probably one of my biggest problems with the narrative hooks into the mechanics with this game is that a large portion of what you're doing is like oblivion style, where it's like levels are just a way to keep the game challenging as you keep going. But unlike Oblivion, it doesn't just scale things, nor does it just, like, have, like, a main quest line that will, like, always be a certain level no matter what. It's kind of caught between two worlds where it wants to not have scaling so that you can get that sense, like, you've come far, right? Right. That's why at the end you're, like, stronger than the Wild Hunt because the game wants to reward you for all the hard work you did. But on the other hand, it ends up saying these really weird things about the narrative where it is, like, that kind of RPG rags to riches story. Like, you start off fighting a rat, you end fighting an angel, uh, but with Geralt. It's, like, a very Japanese RPG thing kind of happening here where the, the stakes have to increase as much as possible. And I feel like a lot of games have kind of addressed this. But uh, this is the part of the game where I realized, oh, my God, I'm a god because <laughs> well, yeah. I'm fighting this, like, wild hunt dude. Personification and like, of the heat death of the universe, obviously. Well, no, not the wild hunt. but no, yeah, I'm just joking, but yeah. But yeah, you're fighting that, that general, and I'm like, wow, this general would get his ass kicked by that, that water hag I fought at the beginning of the game. Or, like, that one soldier who works for Lugos with the, the halberd does surprisingly large amounts of damage. Uh, that, so that was one of the parts where the narrative, like, like I was kind of feeling that throughout the game, but this is where it like finally came and clinched to me that I was supposed to disregard almost all of the mechanical elements of the RPG stuff, like the, the level progression stuff. So you really felt that when fighting the general, well, the assistant to the general, whatever his super one fancy of the, military One of the generals, because remember, Aridin's like the king. Okay. I'm assistant general. No, you're the assistant <laughs> to the general. So after that, you resolve that in this cool fight with Siri. Then where to? So you end up trying to strategize and creating a trap for the wild hunt to yes. pull them all in lure them all into a place you fight them you have a nice showdown your siri you fight the big guy Geralt shows up and is like i got you mm-hmm. and fights him for siri siri disappears for a little bit and you end up beating the wild hunt spoilers and <laughs> i like that like hours into the episode you're like uh spoilers for the witcher 3 by the way <laughs> so you look around and you did it you did it you're but you don't see avalok you don't see siri and you do notice this big tower that's 
glowing and full of mystical force. Yeah, because you, you guys keep thinking, like, you and Yennefer are like, oh, no, uh, the Avalok betrayed us, and he took Ciri to this tower. Yeah. And everyone keeps repeating, Avalok betrayed us. It was kind of was of an Uma moment. Where I was like, I guess he didn't betray us then, if we keep saying it. Kind of like earlier <laughs> in the game, where you're like, oh, no, Ciri is the Uma moment. moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Uma being Quasimodo. Oh, yeah, 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 sorry. Because we never said his name. That's right. <laughs> So you get to the tower and you for- fight your way in. Yennefer opens the way for you and stays on the outside. And Avalok is there. You confront him and say, hey, I'm going to kill you now, you piece of garbage. And he's like, well, if you just, you know, communicate with me, maybe I could talk to you. And he's like, no, nah, man, uh, Geralt's done. He's done. He's Chris in the Seven Dwarfs area. Oh, my God. And, and he's like, I'm not listening to you, dude. Navalok says, well, actually, the whole reason that I've been secretive and the whole reason that I've wanted the Elder Blood from Ciri is that only somebody with that power the, that the Elder Blood contains can destroy the heat death of the universe, the White Frost. And Geralt's like, I'm tired of your lies. I'm killing <laughs> you now. And Ciri steps in and is like, no, he's right. I'm going to do that. So, And Geralt is... In order to understand this moment, there is a moment that I think we should review with Siri and during her whole, like, let me take care of business stuff where Siri is like, let me show you like where I'm happy. And she takes you to like a traveling circus where they like hang out with everyone. And Siri's like, this is the life that I want to have. And she and Gerald talk about like, well, you might not be able to have this life. Depending on what options you pick, you can kind of tell her like, you know, you're different from these people. You're born for better things. Or you can tell her like, no one can tell you what to do. If you want this life, that's up to you, you know? And she's clearly conflicted about the fact that her elder blood means if she picks this life, she sees herself as being selfish. That she she's not using the gift that's been given to her to the maximum potential. And so when you get back to this moment, Avalok reveals to you that only Siri can use her elder blood to defeat this white frost that's coming. And the eventually, which ultimately saves every dimension everywhere. Yeah. She walks into this door. It's kind of well, abstract. She, there's, a, there's an important moment where you can choose as Geralt to say, are you sure this is what you want? Like, yeah. Is this like, how come you didn't tell me this? Or you have a bunch of different ways of yeah. saying like, I don't, I forbid you from doing this or you should have told me or, you know, yeah. why, or did you, why did luck. you, why did you hide this from me? And then she's like, well, whatever, like, I, I didn't think you'd understand, but apparently you could, or if you weren't nice to her, apparently, obviously you couldn't. And at the end of it all, she's like, all right, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do my thing. And yeah. you have the option to say, don't go, I forbid it again, or good luck or a couple other things. There's a bunch of options so, and all of yeah. these way and come together with a like bunch visually, of decisions you've made into the game. Like they, they show point. you she like she when she walks into the white light to do who knows what with this white frost, it's like kind of abstract. She the, the game like does like a flashback to a bunch of decision points and like it kind of looks at like were you supportive of her? Did you raise her self esteem? Did you make her feel like she could trust herself? Yeah. And did you think that she was capable of doing things? There are moments in the game where She's asked to go into a council room by herself, but you can force your way in and talk yeah. for her. And if you do that, then you're saying like you're un- incapable yeah. of doing anything. You you don't really have agency. I am your protector. I always will be. And it's, it's kind like of a, it's like an invis- there's an invisible point system working yeah. here. 
and I, I found it. I really liked this. I really liked the whole theme too, because it's it's like you know we talked about in God of War. It's what is yeah. it to be a parent? What is it to how do you raise a kid? And Geralt is kind of an an, an anachronistic thing at this point. He's yeah. an outdated and useless hunter of monsters there's not as many anymore the world is protected from most of these monsters by large armies and military forces and and also he, like like Geralt's skill set is narrower than yeah. series like way much she might be destined for other things than you know what he can teach her and he's just watching her and watching his kid surpass him he, he's like all right i see my my kid my my adoptive kid i see siri and she is already better than me she's more than what i could ever be and i can either hold her back so i can feel good about myself or i can let her go i can let her become the best that she can be and it's just a, like a continuing thread throughout the entirety of the story once you get siri back mm-hmm. of having faith in your own kid that they'll do the right thing because you raised them that way. And all of those decisions that you made throughout the entire game culminate in this moment where she walks through that gate and you get one of three. <laughs> I actually know it's, it's all of the decisions you made in like the last five to 10 hours. Well, yeah, but still, yeah. Well, I, I say this to bring up cause I think that the, like so many things come up that are relevant to like what everyone says like like thematically like you talk about like when you go to meet the the general to the king or the second in command to the king to convince him to betray the elven king you have like this argument where Geralt starts talking about elves and their species and like how their species is always doing bad things it's like very racist and very speciesist it's racist like they're a fantasy race they're a stand-in for another culture essentially. Right. Yeah. And the game actually uses non-humans, including elves as like racist imagery, like as a imagery of racist acts being done against people like Radovid. This is the point of the game where Radovid shifts from hunting mages to hunting non-humans. And he starts burning dwarves, elves, whoever. And like that comes up at this point in the game, because this is where the elves are like, well, why are you so mad at us? You did the same thing to your world. You're doing it right now. You're killing all kinds of like non-human people. And so like, are you better than elves, right? How are you not the wild hunt too? Or like, for example, all of the things about series uh, agency introduced in this final quest line, the idea that like Geralt might want something other than being a witcher gets really hinted at during this quest line. It really does feel like its own game with its own internal. It's like you're reading the final book of a series and that book is trying to introduce all of the elements it needs you to see for that one book. Like, you know, if, like even if you read the like the the latest Game of Thrones book, Winds of Winter be, is it out? It may be like number 5 in a series or 6 in a series, but like, you know, it's still respo- like that one work is still responsible for showing you what it's about, what themes are important to it, what through lines you should be looking for. And I kind of feel like that's what the end game does. Like the last 15-ish hours of the game are almost like a mini story where everything important to what your choices will mean are coming up. Yeah. Even if they like haven't been a big part of like the other plot lines. So walk through the gate, three epilogues that you get. The first one, you go and... You don't, and all of these, you know, Geralt, it's a few weeks in the future, all of them. Geralt is 
going out to pick up a new silver sword and you pick it up you you go on a quest you go to a tavern and you see a hooded figure there and you go up and it's siri siri's going to become a witcher now and this ending starts with you telling her dad that she's dead yes so it's like a reveal but not a reveal like you know like so it's like oh yeah it is yeah She's, she's dead it is a reveal because she might be dead yeah yeah, because you don't. You know. don't know. I, yeah, but like, it's not even like a unlikely thing that could happen. Because it is the end of the game. You don't. Well, it's not like the game makes it that obvious what will cause her to die. So for a yeah. lot of people, this could blindside them. She might really just be dead at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And but I thought totally that he Geralt like to shit to have. She's really dead, and we're gonna end it with Geralt pretty emotionlessly telling her real dad i'm like oh well you'll see what i mean when we describe the bad ending which opens similarly ambiguously well all of them open similarly ambiguously (laughs) that is a mouthful (laughs) yeah um so you go in the first one it's the witcher ending uh geralt's walking the path of the witcher he trains and siri is he's bestowing a silver sword which is a mark of a witcher because they carry two swords Normal sword and a silver sword. The silver sword being used for monsters because monsters are weak to silver. He presents Siri. <laughs> I love that we're mentioning this now. I know. I I, I can't believe fine. it's been missed this entire time. It's not that important, but he presents it as mm-hmm. like a symbolic gesture to Siri, saying, "You're a witcher. Yeah, you're a witcher, Siri." Um, and she's pumped. She's she. This is what she wanted. How she talked about living a circus life almost, being on the road, going places, doing what she wants. This is the freedom that she always craved but felt like her bloodline was confining her to a different fate. Yeah. And so this is one of the quote-unquote good endings because Siri gets what she always wanted. Geralt kind of realizes that this is something that he might have wanted. Yeah. And, and, and in this ending... Geralt does train Ciri to be a witcher. He kind of does get to have like a good long period where they're together. And then when he's taught her everything he knows, she just goes off on her own to who knows where. I think another major issue for Geralt's character and Yennefer's character, which they don't cover this aspect of Yennefer's thing in the game, but boy, the show wants you to know this is everything that defines Yennefer as a character. Oh, that she wants a kid. Yes. Yeah. Is the idea that you know they had to sacrifice the ability to have children in order to have this power to shape the world. So it's that idea of, well, what am I shaping this world for if I don't have my own kids to to pass it on to mm-hmm. so it's like an ending where Geralt really gets to feel like he has fulfilled this father role for Siri. interestingly enough I retired with Yennefer like you get you pick that before the final <laughs> retired battle. with Yennefer you well, literally actually, no, you I know I know that you do I that's just like hearing it that way funny enough the only ending where you retire yeah because every other one you either stay a witcher or, or you, you like, go live with Triss and Triss is like yeah. so boring to be with that you take up witcher contract <laughs> i like that you read while. it that way you do take up the occasional witcher contract even though you're Ugh, rich so but with yennefer boring. I, lo- I think it says a lot that with yennefer the game goes out of its way to say that like Geralt's just like done being a witcher oh and not just he being never a goes witcher. on another adventure yeah. not being not just being a witcher she's done being a sorceress they go off to get aw- away into the wilderness to be away from politics yeah. and all this all adventure crap. they get to wash their hands they say adventure yeah. that means there's no stories we're telling about 
they say that their life is nice and boring, and that's exactly what they want. Okay, yeah, but to I be fair, to, yeah, to I like be f- it's. I think that's like he's the most fulfilled. In it's that. the happily ever after that he needed because really. What else is there if oh, you stop yeah. the We're heat death? De- you, you stop the heat <laughs> death of the universe thing. for everyone across multiple dimensions. Like, yeah, you know what? He's earned a happily I ever to, after. I have to say, by the way, I was kind of laughing when I realized that we were at the White Frost because <laughs> I was like, I kind of feel like most of my memories of this game are like really being in the weeds, helping out some peasants. Yeah. Being like, I have twelve dollars, but I need seventeen dollars. Yes. It's but like, in the, man, and then I've at got, the I've end, four... I'm like, oh, the end of the world is nigh. <laughs> and then I, will I stop it? It's like, will you quickly well, count how much money is in your wallet? <laughs> I've got two thousand now. <laughs> like, uh, how much does it take to repair my sword? Uh, four hundred gold. Uh, how much does it take to buy a new sword? <laughs> but four hundred gold. <sighs> Dude, I don't. I've got twenty gold. What's I, the best you can do? I could hammer your sword once for you. Just and- <laughs> to show you where I my mental state was at the end of the game, as you're watching the inevitability of the universe, I still had swords I wanted to sell. <laughs> I was carrying them around. I was like, when I get to a smith, I'll sell them. It's worth 200. That's peak RPG. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to use my... Oh, well, my yeah. thing was, I didn't I'll realize... i this elixir one day. I didn't realize that the potions refilled themselves after a while, and I thought that you had to go through all of that Craft. terrible crafting. No, no. Like, all the time. I, I had that issue. Please and tell so, me you realized that before Death March. Uh, yeah, before Death March, okay. for sure. But, like, it took me about, like... a. It, yeah, it half, took me half, like 20 hours. Know, end of first arc, the first arc, and I realized, oh, God, I can use oh, potions. Oh, that's a lot. But, <laughs> so anyways, so epilogue two. Oh, so, so the reason why this is a good ending, yes. though, like for Siri, not just Geralt. And they're all, I only brought that up to show that Yennefer wasn't there when Geralt was spending all this time with Siri. Yeah. It's like Geralt and Siri, and then Geralt goes with Yennefer, which is very different from what I thought based on the show would happen. I assume that Yennefer was wrapping up things in her own area. Probably. I mean, they all want to be with Siri because oh, they mean, make the like show a, is like Yennefer wants a baby. Yennefer, you mean the woman who wants a baby? Yennefer, yeah, she wants a baby. So that, but also the game makes a really big deal about Yennefer wanting to spend her time with Siri. Like Yennefer is like very attached to Siri as a mother in this game. And I they, don't remember getting that impression as much, but it's been. I if mean, if you play it again, you will for sure see. This. You don't think that your interpretation was different because you're playing it after having seen the show. You don't think no. that colored it at all. No, okay. because I actually forgot about the baby thing oh, from okay. the show. Interesting. It's because they keep showing you that Triss and Yennefer and like everyone around Siri feels like her parent. Got and it. To, as you get closer to the Care Morin part towards the end of the game. Like, remember how I said, like, they keep bringing up the themes that will matter the most at the end? Yeah. That's when Yennefer cannot stop talking about Siri. Okay. And, like, what they're going to do with her. So the reason I think this is a good ending for Siri is because I kind of feel like the whole arc at the end here is Siri wants freedom. And her elder blood is kind of a prison on her because she feels like, as long as I have this gift and I am not using it to do what I need to do, I am being selfish I am kind of living only for myself. And I feel like, you know what? If you've stopped the White Frost, the end of all worlds, mm-hmm. the thing that leads to Ragnarok, I think you can just kind of chill. I think you can coast. You can be Dr. Dre after 2001. So you're saying, I stopped global warming, but I'm going to do nothing about, uh, you know, Sino-Russian relations. Well, for one thing is like Siri doesn't even necessarily know if she 
could solve those problems, but she knows she can solve the white frost. That's why she's right. adamant about it. She's That's like, fair. if anyone can do it, I can. And I feel like she's earned a life of just kind of sitting in the woods, bombing fish, <laughs> scaring away uh, bears. That was then the actually that's the bittersweet ending. Oh yeah, she does learn that in the so other one. Yeah, one of so that I uh, will well, just segue to the next ending, which is if you take Siri to see her father. Yeah. Um, in the middle or near end of part of the game, Siri, you know, Geralt is still looking around. You know, it's weeks later. You don't know if Siri's alive or dead, but Siri is alive here. You go and find her. She's hesitant she's reluctant to talk to you she doesn't she she has something on her mind not quite there and in the end she says uh you show up back to the tavern where you guys are staying and boom Nilfgaard people all over there and carol looks at her and says um what's this she's like yeah i talked with my dad and he made a lot of good points and i'm going to become the emperor of Nilfgaard yeah because i can do a lot more as the emperor of Nilfgaard than I can as just some as roaming witcher. witcher. Which, which again, is interesting. The whole game is about how that's not true. Right. <laughs> I mean, that is the case. But I think she's thinking, as somebody with that power, I can push people yeah. in the directions that I want and get the things. I think perhaps the interesting thing there is that, and the, the epilogue makes a point to tell you, if you do that ending, that Siri is unique in that position because she's combining knowledge of different yes. experiences. And it's, I think it's kind of it, hopeful that she's a special ruler. Right. And I think it nicely bookends the beginning of the game where we talked about how different Geralt's experience was when he was there. Yeah. And everyone looked at a map and saw it as broad strokes and big numbers. And the game maybe asks the question, because the game does not look favorably upon like yes. people in power in general, but in this way, I think the game is asking the question, well, what happens if the person in power has seen it from the front lines? But the problem with this, too, when you consider this in the world of The Witcher, is that her dad was also like in a similar position where he was stripped of his title, had to go live among the common folk, became like a local hero, like went on adventures. The show actually shows you like one of these semi-adventures that Geralt gets involved in. Is that canon past the show? That is in the book. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's cool. in the book. The uh, it's it's such a weird thing that some people are speculating that's not even the same character anymore. <laughs> like they're splitting him from Amir because he's so weird. different. Um, yeah, Amir became like a kind of an asshole after that part of his life. And uh, and also like they also show you that the Baron, also like a common dude, just some regular dude who decided he was going to be a better ruler. So it's like, it's hard to tell... I think it for sure it's indisputable that the game is hopeful about Siri, but I also think unintentionally the game has spent dozens of hours building up the lack of efficacy in rulers and like the absurd efficacy in being someone who cares and who's there and has the power at the like on the ground when it's needed. Yeah. And so this ending goes on Geralt looks at Siri and says, you know, is this what you wanted? Is this, did anybody tell you to do this? She's like, no, my dad said, you know, I should be do this, but this is my own decision. I think this is the right path. I'm going to become the empress. Bada bing, bada boom. Mm-hmm. She leaves. But before she does, she gives Geralt her sword, which I assume he gave to her when she was training. And I think it's her, yeah, it's her regular sword. It's her regular sword, but I think Geralt originally gave it to her. So he always has that piece of her. Yeah. While they're apart. 
And it's also kind of symbolic that she's like, I don't know why I'm going to walk around with this sword anymore. I, yeah. My power is going to be in my pen. I like this <laughs> ending because, I mean, the first ending is very indulgent. She gets to be with Geralt. Geralt mm-hmm. gets to retire. It's great. But I like this ending because it feels like in a case where she has all the information and gets to speak with her father. And I don't know if she really gets resolution with him, but yeah. she does what I would argue is maybe the mature thing mm-hmm. and seeks some resolution. And when she has all of that information, this is the decision she makes. She doesn't even seek resolution, though. Geralt is the one that ends up forcing yeah, you bring yeah. him her to actually face the resolution and then she takes that information is like you're right Geralt it's so complicated because everything Siri does has to connect back to something that you do there is very the only thing the only decision Siri ever makes about what she wants her future to be without you telling her or interfering is that she wants to live in a traveling circus which my name's Ty Lee and Fight the white frost and fight the white, the white frost. Death yes, of the so that, those that's two kept things. kind of secret from people. That's correct. And no matter well, what you say, she goes in at the end. It's right, kept secret, though. Avalok also kind of has something to do with that because he he's implied to have been spending a lot of time telling her stuff like that. Yeah, but I mean, but it still is at in some the point. End. No one makes any decision in yes. perfect isolation. And again, that's I, closer I, to her own decision. I think it's important though that you, we are separating. Geralt's influence, who is essentially her father, from Ciri's own experiences out in the world and being interacting with other people. So Avalok, sure, might be telling her to do this for his own purposes, but Ciri is an adult. Ciri is able to make these decisions on her own, whereas Geralt is still viewing her as his kid in some cases where he's being overprotective or letting her, you know... I I I guess I just bring it up to say that, like... There, there is an ending for her that we know for sure is the closest she can, like, through her own, purely her own agency, choose. And it's to kind of live in the woods or to, like, live as a yeah. traveling person. But I also think that a lot of what the game is saying about how Geralt's decisions affect Siri is showing, as best as a game like this can, the role you play as a mentor and mm-hmm. seeing, okay, how I treat them and how I help them make decisions helps set them up for how they'll make decisions for the rest of their life. And I think that there's something to be said for, and again, I agree, Siri saved all of the universes. Like she gets to be a little selfish if she wants to be, but I think that there's something to be said for her maybe being mature and saying, you know, I think I can have the most impact here as the Empress. Mm-hmm. And we know from the text of the game that maybe that's not true. But from Siri's point of view, I think it's very reasonable to think, Yeah. okay, I, I looked I mean, at everything. It's definitely her being I heroic yeah. doing that. Yeah, I agree. It's it's saying all kinds of positive things about Siri. And it's heroic, just the ending that I see why people call it bittersweet yes. because it's Siri denying herself something that we know she wants. I think the other thing that makes people think of it as bittersweet is because it shows her leaving Geralt. Yeah. Whereas the other ending shows her staying with Geralt. And we know oh, she eventually goes away from him. But that ending, Geralt gets what he, gets he wants. Pretty much from as Siri. much as he wants. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. an interesting difference as well. And, you know, just touching upon what you just said about, you know, letting Siri make her own decisions, I think that's the perfect way to segue into the final. Uh, uh, ending which is the bad ending Mm -hmm. and this ending starts 
or it happens if you don't if you're kind of just a jerk to Siri throughout the game. Yeah. You you talk over her, you make her feel incompetent, you make her feel like you need to be there for all all of her life. And in this ending, Geralt is out by the crone's cottage. He's talking to her. Oh, to be clear, she still defeats the White Frost she, in this ending. She still she does just dies him. in the process. Well, right, and that's that's what's revealed shortly after as Geralt's talking to a werewolf, and the werewolf is like, I'll help you, but there's some evil, evil shit happening out here in the forest, and it's that one crone that's left, because yeah. in the game, you end up killing two of the three crones. That's why you always have to one kill of, The one of the crones steals her pendant when you go to fight them in that general. There's a Yeah, there's a really good moment with the werewolf where Geralt explains, well, she has my daughter's necklace. And the werewolf's like, dude, tell your daughter to just get, get over it. Get another necklace. Damn. Give her a different necklace. And Geralt, which you, by the way, you did. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was that was a nice like reference. And to that. Geralt says, "Well, she's dead." And the werewolf's like, "Oh, oh." This is why I'm saying it's ambiguous, by the way, because all three endings open with Geralt doing something entirely unrelated, yes. talking to random people, not saying anything about Siri being kind of somber. And then in all three endings, there's a reveal where he says what happened to Siri. Yes. And I like it. I like the way it's set up. And I have to say that when I saw that ending, I knew what was coming and his delivery in English, at least. I'm not sure if the Polish delivery is as good or not, uh, is just perfect. I, and I do have to say, Geralt's voice actor, all the voice acting in this game is top tier. It's so good. Yeah, it is. It's good. And also, Henry Cavill does a good job of making yeah, his Geralt it's voice true. unrelated, but... So anyways, clearly this voice actor should be solid snake. I think the, uh, I agree. Uh, <laughs> and so Geralt is going through and he sees a bunch of people that live in the woods next to the crone's office, uh, crone's not office. What is wrong with me? Uh, <laughs> um, she's like sitting at her computer. She's got one of the bouncy ball chairs. <laughs> a know? Bosu ball chair. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's but, like, I got to keep my core healthy. So you're going through there, and the werewolf's like, there's uh, some humans up ahead, and it looks like they're, they've got a uh, mother wolf and a bunch of cubs there. And so you go in and say, hey, what's going on? Is that the crone's place is that way? And they're just a bunch of jerks. And they're like, oh, we're going to kill the she-wolf once she start, tires out. And the thing is, Geralt is also known as the White Wolf. His pendant's a wolf. He he is just very clearly like this wolf is trapped in a in one of those bear traps mm-hmm. and until it dies, until, until it gives up and can be killed, until it loses its will. And that and these people are just saying like, yeah, we're not going near it until it's it's given up yeah. all its hope. This is one of many moments where Geralt kind of shows that even though he is a monster hunter by profession. Geralt is more empathetic to like non-human, not even like humanoid creatures than anyone else in the world, which by the way is why when shows that Geralt's kind of racist against elves, it kind of underlines like elf, that's supposed to show you how much humans and elves hate each other. I think because if Geralt is saying something like that, Geralt who's going to go and save this damn werewolf probably ate a bunch of babies. It's not even a werewolf. Yeah. That she wolf's got blood on well, her hands. The people, the people are saying, "Yeah, this wolf killed a fox and like has like wreaked havoc on our yeah. t- our town over there. So we're gonna let it die." And he's like, "Let it go." And they're like, "No." I think part of that too is the wolf is doing what is its its role in nature. Yeah, and maybe and it, Geralt feels similar in that he doesn't always feel like he has a choice in what yes. he's forced to kill. Whereas yep. when he looks at elves, 
Well, they're to not be clear, as monstrous. To be clear, Geralt feels this way even for sapient, like, mm-hmm. quote unquote, evil beings, mm-hmm. like trolls and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, when other, like, witchers talk about, like, oh, I just killed the troll. Fuck yeah. it. Who cares? Geralt's like, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> but Geralt, but that just shows how yeah. scared this world is of the wild hunt. Yeah. That, for Geralt, that's an easy line, that's too. True. So the, the mother wolf is trying to take care of its young pups, but you end up getting in a fight with all 10 of these people and utterly destroying them. And while you're fighting, they go and kill the wolf and all of the cubs. So you keep on running through the woods. You get to the crone's house, and the crone is there. The remaining crone is there, and she's like, well, uh, you know, I'm not giving it back to you. Neener, neener, neener. And she has the necklace. She has the necklace, the series. And you end up killing her and ransacking her Notably, cottage. you kill her in the way that Siri almost, but not quite killed her. Yeah. Siri just barely misses sword. her with the sword, but he nabs her with it. Yep. And so he finishes the job, and then she's got one sword through her chest, and he comes over with a silver sword and stabs her through the face with it. And then he, again, goes in, ransacks her cottage, her shack, her hut, whatever you want to call it. He doesn't think it's there for a second. It's and hard he, to find. And he, he, uh, he cracks open some chests. He throws open some boxes and he is distraught. And then he kicks one aside and there it is lying on the ground and he grabs it and just kneels and holds it, puts it to his forehead. And you can just see him like, this is it. This is, I've done everything I want in this world. I have everything I want. And while that's going on, monsters start yeah. swarming. I think outside. he starts sobbing in this it one. It does too. like a horror movie zoom out where yeah. you just see him framed by the door frame and then the monsters crawling in. And the other interesting thing about this ending is we talked about how it's a theme of him trying to put on this persona or this face that yeah. he doesn't feel emotions. Well, when he faces the crone, she calls him out. She says, you're distraught. You're a mess. I can see how emotional you are. And this time he says, no, I don't feel anything. I'm past feeling emotions. I don't feel anything Which is anymore. not true. It is and it isn't. I think it's it's more poignant here because it's like he's so depressed that he just tries to not feel oh, anything. Oh, yeah. It's In not that him moment, not yeah. feeling. It's not him saying, no, I don't feel anything because he's striving for peace. Right. It's him saying, no, I have like. But what I, what I mean is like when he finds a pendant, he yes. has a similar moment to when he finds Siri's dead body. Like it's yes. almost like it can finally come out. Yes. The floodgate. But I also feel like he's not. He's also like operating on different logic because he kills all of those people because they're afraid of a wolf. Which yes. he, I don't think Geralt would have done this at any point in the game before this. No, he would have like sat down and tried to talk them through it. Yeah. Like he's definitely. He's not going to kill humans because of to, to save the wolf yes. right even though he feels bad about it but here he's like no i'm the wolf yes and i mean that's a pretty big change for Geralt. and it's interesting because he lost siri it's not like crazy madmen came and killed siri or even that the wild hunt got siri yeah it's that siri did this heroic act and sacrificed herself and he can't come to terms with that and i'm yeah. not sure if that kind of mirrors the fact that this ending only happens if he was very controlling exactly yes this is the ending where gerald could not come to terms with the fact that one day he would lose siri yeah and then he that's this is the ending where he does so i mean that's like he's dealing with that in the most shocking way of all of the endings and even though i at first interpreted this as like a berserk-esque thing where now he's just being hunted by these monsters and he's gonna fight his way through them 
This is the only ending where they don't show uh, an epilogue for Geralt. Yeah. In every other one they show you. And then he went and settled down with Yennefer or Triss or nobody. Right. In this one, they play epilogues for everyone but Geralt. Dark. What a sad ending to end <laughs> so, on. Well, no. Well, there's the other epilogues. Briefly, if you picked Oh, Ceres, like the mini, the little yeah. ones. Yeah, so it's like a Fallout-esque. The ones we talked about down. are fully played out CG parts of the game. And the also, other tag-ons that we'll mention are like, they put up an image, yeah. which I love this kind of epilogue, yeah. to be clear. This is a very classic thing of yeah. RPG storytelling. And it allows a little more variety. Yeah. Like, they, like you know, by the way, we clearly made the right choice with Ceres because... Yes. Who's the, Scal- the Scaliga princess? Yeah, because if you had picked her brother, he kind of was like, nope, we're fighting Nilfgaard, and they die fighting Nilfgaard. And then there's another one in Scaliga that decides, I'm going to forcibly coerce all of the other clans into yes. subservience under me he and that creates a bloody blood or bloodshed amongst like all war. of the Skellige islands he he actually mimics the political structure of the mainland which is very destructive it turns out um Ceres leads her country to a period of tranquility and growth but they sow now they pl- they farm their land. We do not sow. But they sow now. <laughs> uh, they try to make give it a little bit of complication. They say, like, but then their enemies realized they hadn't been fighting in a long time. But overall, pretty good ending for them. Oh, yeah. Uh, very interestingly, so remember I said that there was a surprise ruler that was obviously Siri. Right. But if you had not killed Radovid, the epilogue shows that he continues his genocide throughout the whole north. He defeats Emir. He rules the North. Everyone's very sad about it. Mm-hmm. If you killed Radovid and you do not install Siri on the throne, either Emir, if you cite, if you like helped out Emir in that plot line, will go and rule the North. Well, he will control the North, but let them rule themselves, which is like a rel- It's the game even says, ironically, this is a happier ending for them than yeah. Radovid, or probably the most interesting one of those. Distra becomes like a very like effective ruler because he Who was believes the in guy. Yeah, yeah, he the, believes in industrializing the north. Yep. So all in all, you know, it's so hard to pack all of what happens <laughs> yes. in this game into this. I know we took a lot of time this to do so, but the game really lives in its details. Right. And like listeners, we spent most of this episode talking about the beginning arc and the very last arc. And I think you're going to want to play this game yourself if you want to see all of the little mini stories that are happening. Yeah. And there's a whole line of, with Dandelion that I really liked that we didn't really And And what's important into. about all of these little stories are that they are very, they're almost facsimiles of things that happened in the written books. So they had a really good structure to go off of. Yeah. And those structures translated perfectly into the game. So a lot of people will critique it, the game for having, you know, less than ideal combat, less than ideal gameplay, mecha- like gameplay. But all in all, if you are after a great story, there's, I, I can't name many games that, you know, top this one. It is an engaging world to explore. I, I have to push back on this one and give like a dissenting view because I think this is a really engaging world to explore. And I think that like the side quest focus structure of this game really matches like the short story, like format of like a Witcher book. I think that's like a perfect choice for this game. Yeah. But like, 
I felt like most of what I was doing for most of the game was so, saving dwarves. So rarely yeah, <laughs> connected to the things that like ended up, I think, speaking the most to me. Like I think I was most interested in it when I was looking for Siri. So you if you want a game where you're willing to get lost and like live Geralt's life, I think this like would work will definitely work for you because you will spend a period of time in this game being like, what was I doing again? <laughs> I think I was being Geralt. I think that's well, what that's, I'm that's doing. That's what's yeah. really cool because in all of these individual events, you get dialogue options yes. that really hone who Geralt is, who your version of Geralt is. And at some point, I, I, we spoiled them here, but there are moments where these decisions radically affect the yeah. end of the game and the ultimate outcome of wars, of leadership, succession, uh, yes. the fate of the universe. And and it's just so cool that they were able to integrate that in and, as and well as you, they do. You mentioned at the beginning that one of the Witcher books, it's a series of short stories, but each one of them has some element that will come back by the end. And I think that is present in this game. Like this, this game even if I'm not like a huge fan of this storytelling structure that is faithful to that novel format. And speaking of this game being in like an adaptation, can we like talk real quick about how fucking crazy this is for a licensed game? You can kill almost every major character from the Witcher series somehow in this game, including can you Siri. Kill Yennefer? Uh, you cannot kill Yennefer. She's the best, but you can kill like Emir or like lead to his death. You can like get rid of Dijkstra. Roach might die, or yeah. uh, Roche might die. <laughs> Roach can die. You just um, get a new, better Roach. <laughs> it's. I don't think there are many licensed games that are willing to disrupt the world they adapt this much, which is pretty cool. I think it helps that this feels like the last the end. Game. Yes. And you it, could only do that in this kind of game. I'm interested because The Witcher as a property is definitely taking off. Because the uh -huh. Netflix show is bringing attention to it where people may not have been aware of it. Yeah. So I would be interested. I know I heard, I read Netflix is doing a prequel Witcher series, which I, I already yeah. felt like the Netflix series was too kind much of a time prequel, in the past. Yeah. But whatever. And I wonder if they'll make a prequel game. I mean, I this wonder if game... they'll choose one ending for Siri to be canon and it's the one where she's a Witcher. I, want, I think the smart thing a... is like they don't have to because this game starts seven years after the last book. So they've left themselves enough room for who knows how many further adventures to so have. So like another another prequel is what you're saying. Something to this game? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. All I'm saying is I want a visual novel romance uh, game with, with Geralt? Geralt and Yennefer living out in their solitude. I, I feel like that nothing is supposed to happen in that game. Uh, yeah, but that's... Because they're so happy. That's what you need. That's true. <laughs> I mean, life can be hectic. I played this entire game. It's crazy. Oh, could, could I mention real quick that Geralt has one more retirement option? Uh, but I don't know why it happens. But if you play one of the DLCs, he gets to have a vineyard. Oh, does Yennefer get to come with him? Uh, I don't know. I think you might actually romance one of the characters in that DLC. Oh. Well, that's like apparently the DLCs for this game are very good. The so. DLCs are like standalone game. They're not. They weren't free when. Yeah. I, I, when I bought the game, bought them. They're they're free if you buy the newest version of the game that includes DLCs. Yeah, but I I didn't play through them. I thought them. CD Projekt Red was pretty big on no. Free. So they, they released gave, they yeah. released a lot of free DLC. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. And then there's one bigger, more these substantial. Are, we DLC. should really call them expansions. Okay. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, because each of those 
expansions are standalone games and are incredible. The yeah. real news is that I've decided that my cyberpunk protagonist is going to be Siri. a girl with white hair. What are you going to do when you meet Siri in the cave? I'm going to call her a doppelganger. Okay. I'm going to be like, she's an imposter. A doppelganger is a thing in the world of Get The Witcher. Get her out of here. Yeah. There is a doppelganger quest. Fun. There's a doppelganger who just replaces a crime lord. And he's like, no one noticed. And they like that I'm nice to them now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm ready for. I've been ready for Cyberpunk 2077 since I think their first teaser came out before the witcher 3 or right around yeah there. around there and i have been hyped yeah it's been almost 10 years ever since and i just they keep moving the field post there well i think that we could have a very good cyberpunk episode but until then you know i think yeah. we've covered the witcher as well as i'm willing to do in a podcast this is one game where i think what we can do is tell you like what are the big plot lines that matter? But this is not a game where you can get the full experience just by listening to the beats, story well, beats. Think of how much time we spent. I mean, we we paused to talk about the side quest with Yennefer and what that looked like. And yeah. the side quest where Siri met Samwise. Yeah. And those are like snippets. And there are so many moments like that yes. in this game. And that's what makes the game. I would I would honestly say this game is structured as like four games. And they all, like, have connections to each other, but they have the rhythm of their own game. Like, Novigrad is, like, a game. It would be in most uh, other circumstances if it weren't for this amazing, uh, you know, endeavor that CD Projekt Red took. Any other final thoughts on The Witcher 3? Um, I didn't know there were barbers in this game until (gasps) after I beat it. Oh, that sucks. I'm so sorry for you. I kept waiting, like, when's... Gerald gonna change his hair. Like Gerald's I went to care more, and I'm like, is it gonna be now? I, he has if, some cool hair. If style. I'm not mistaken, doesn't his beard actually grow over the course of the I game? I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> and so you actually do have to trim it if you want it to be. I mean, it's not like well I had kept. a long beard at the end. Well, it's it like scraggly mountain man beard. Okay. I mean, I thought it was the same because I never went to a barber. But maybe it did get a little bit. The longer. moment I find a barber in a game, I'm there like. Yeah, me too. All the time. Imagine my disappointment. You know sucks. why? Because they're all in Novigrad. Yeah, that makes the sense. worst place in the whole world of the well for multiple reasons. Uh, even in the story, the worst place mm-hmm. <laughs> in The Witcher. Well, you know, I I love this game. It's one of my favorites. It's in my top three as of right now. But. Tune in next week to see. Yeah, that's, that's an odd three. thing to tag at the I end. I haven't, I haven't played Cyberpunk 2077 because it's not out yet. But I, yeah. I'm betting that that's going to. Hey, you know, you haven't played Witcher one yet. That's true too. <laughs> yeah, and I do like the idea of banging women and getting playing and cards, trading cards of it's, that. Yeah, that sounds like Sterling. I feel like that's like really empowering. No, you know what I think? Quick cut Lindsay's mic. Oh, I love <laughs> I love collectible cards, so <laughs> the funniest thing is when I first saw that when I was like eighteen, even then I thought this is video problematic. games are dumb sometimes. <laughs> video games are dumb and problematic and this is not okay. Sleeping with a woman isn't enough of a reward. What if I got a playing card? Too? I genuinely think someone thought that during the meal. Why would you have sex? <laughs> you gotta give them something. Well, Listeners, if we could give you a Gwent card for listening to this episode, we would. But we can't, so have a good day. (laughs) All right, as always, send us your questions, comments, and concerns to (laughs) playervsplot at gmail.com. 
Catch us on Twitter and Instagram at Player VS Plot. You can and send Gwent uh, cards there as well. And yeah. with virtual Gwent cards. Yep. Happy Witchering. Don't get eliminated. <laughs> 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 or get sued. <laughs> <laughs>